Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave? All right, fans, welcome once again to Wrapping on Racing, September 7, 2020. Uh, with me now is Dave Oliveri. Dave, good evening. How are you? I'm doing well, Don. It's just it's hard to believe we're into September, and I, I remember a few months back we were wondering if we were going to be racing at all. And not only are we going to be racing, this is usually the month of specials, but a lot of the tracks are, are extending their point seasons till the actually the end of September into October. So, again, you know, we're so fortunate in our, in our racing community, especially in western Pennsylvania, with all the tracks participating in Robert Johnson from United States Motorsports Association, where uh, a lot of the major sporting teams, you know, still aren't allowed to have fans. And, you know, we've had fans in the stands now for almost three months, so we're very fortunate to have that, Don. want to start off talking about Lernerville on a funny note. Uh, Crystal Fosnott had invited us down. She was having a birthday celebration for Jason. Told me if I came down, I could get a cupcake. So I come down. Now, where they're parked, McDonald's car was between them and the number four car, but McDonald's had loaded up. I guess he had engine problems. So I was talking to Crystal's mom. I said, where is she? And she pointed over at this number four car. And she's got one hand on a jack handle and the other hand on a light. And I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm helping these people. I said, well, who is it? She said, I don't know, but they borrowed some parts and I'm helping them, which I thought was pretty funny. Come to find out later that it was Brett Hutera in car four, and that's John Montepart's stepson, but she was helping him and didn't even know who he was. That's the greatest thing about racers, Don. No matter what it is, even if you have a beef with that person, I don't, you know, sometimes on or off the track. If someone needs a part or you need you know, to jump in like Crystal did and help out, that's the thing I love so much about our sport and you know, people helping people. And it's been that way as long as I'm racing, and you've been around longer than I have, and I'm sure it's been there when you, you, know, when you first started as well. How about uh, when you say racing, how about that field of uh, cars for the Penn Ohio? Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, just... You think back when they had the crate situation, and again, it's, there's a time and a place for everything, and that may not have been it, but, you know, the Penn, Penn Ohio series with, you know, Sean Hooks 
Indiana. They, they put together a, a great series, and with you know, Greg Willing is the the race director. Forty two cars in the pits, some of the best pro stocks in the area in four heats, some great racing throughout the evening, Don. Yeah, we'll have the specifics on the Lernerville results a little further into the opening here. Uh, at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, I just had too much going on here. wasn't able to go, but I listened to it at home on their webpage, and it was pretty neat. I, uh, I really enjoyed that. I heard Jim talking about uh, the race director, Rich Mason, pacing the field in a Kenworth W990 pace truck. Had to be the biggest pace vehicle you ever saw. It, it was big. I mean, I talked to, to Rich about it, you know, prior to the evening, and, you know, he has to balance his time as the race director up in, up in the press box to come back down and time allot it. And I'll tell you what, to me, I've seen some trucks out there, but it was a 2020 beautiful white truck, and I think... And I got a I got a kick out of it because I was able to do the starting you know lineup and the fans I think as it it as it paced the field for quite impressed with uh, such a vehicle Don. Speaking of being impressed, uh, post from Tyler Harris. Now a little background on this story. Tyler was supposed to be uh, the announcer at uh, Blanket Hill, and they threw him under the bus. And in one of the conversations I had with him, I said, you know. Why don't we see if we can get you involved down at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway? Well, not only did he get involved, he's doing interviews for us. Uh, he's uh, also uh, helping with the uh, score scoring up in the booth. And then Jim uh, put him on the mic, and he had a little post that I, I enjoyed. He said, I made my dirt track announcing debut last night at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. It was unexpected. He's very thankful for Jim Zufall for giving him the, opportun- the opportunity uh, in the Speedway. And then you and I and the folks at Rapping on Racing, he said, I felt I was welcomed with open arms as I break into the media side of racing, very excited for the future with these great people. And he did uh, one of the four-cylinder races and did an outstanding job. He did, and it it caught me off guard because when I'm at Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, sometimes it's difficult to hear and see things. So I wear a radio on my arm that I'm able to listen to the broadcast, and it's not the receivers, it's just partic- particularly just Jim. And I heard Tyler's voice on it, and it, it, it threw me back for a second, but you know, he did a wonderful, wonderful job. And, and again, one of the things that, and I say this over and over about the fans, about the speedways, but having a young man grow in this sport into, you know, much like myself, we were, you, you know, you've mentored me over the years, it's great to see new blood come in because us older guys aren't getting any younger, and it's nice to re- have refreshing to have guys like Tyler come in and join us. Amen. Bill Korch has a special report on the Red Miley Rumble at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. And Jim Zufall will cover the other events that were there. Howie Bayless has victory lane interviews with the Bedford Speedway winner Mason Ziegler and the late Trobe Speedway winner Alex Free. Our guests include asphalt sprint car driver Rick Hawley, Julie Coates, the announcer from Raceway 7, Pro Stock driver Super Joe Kelly, 
big block modified driver Russ King Sr., and sprint car driver Davey Jones. And we want to remind people, if you miss any of Monday's show, you can always go to RappinOnRacing.com, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days in the year. As always, we want to thank our marketing partners, our alternative power sources, number one, Cochrane Automotive, Jennerstown Speedway, along with Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, RPS Financial Solutions, and Toma Meat Market. Want to thank our co-hosts, Dave Oliveri, plus our reporters, Lenny Baticki, Howie Bayless, Jim Ballantyne, Julie Coates, Tyler Harris, Bill Korch, Mike Lisikowski, and Jim Zufall. Special thanks to senior engineers and our technical advisors, Bill Korch, Ted Luzik, and Gary Scott, along with Bob Miller, our multimedia data collection facilitator. The drivers that visited Victory Lane at Lernerville Friday in the 410 sprints, it was Jack Soderman Jr. Tommy Beck picked up his second win in the super late models. Rex King Jr. and uh, in the big block modifieds, and Dave also has an interview with Rex. It's uh, not Victory Lane, but a nice interview. And Curtis J. Bish was the winner in the Penn Ohio series. Up at Raceway 7 in the Rush late models, it was Brendan Santee. In the E-Mods, Brett Raybergen. In the Economods, Nate Young. And in the Street Stocks, Joe Steinreich. In the Mini Stocks, your winner was Mark Lawrence. And up at Hummingbird, Rex King Jr. scored in the BRP Tour. Jeremy O was the winner in the late models. Gabe Schaefer scored in the semi-lates. In the street stocks, it was Brandon Connor. Bill Muma was the winner in the pure stocks. And John Capasano scored in the four cylinders. At the Latrobe Speedway, the, the late models, super late models, made their second trip. And the winner was Alex Ferry. In the Rush Creek late models, it was Andy Koenig. And in the pro stocks, a little bit of a change. Chris Schneider, that's nothing different, but Don, he was driving the Jim Fosnot, formerly the uh, 20J. And in the pure stocks, it was Anthony Montepart. And in the four cylinders, we wrapped it up with uh, Matt Welts. Well, you know, the Fosnots, uh, they grew up with Chris Schneider. As a matter of fact, I think Jason and Chris were on the same uh, ball team in high school, so there's a lot of connections between them. Um, some good racing Friday, Saturday. Uh, excellent weekend. Uh, you were involved in most of them. Uh, I thought you did a real nice job with your on-track for the uh, all the events at Pittsburgh. And uh, just some good, uh, good racing. We're going to tell people all about it throughout the show. It, uh, again, it's, it, it's like I said in the opening, it, it's great that we're still racing. So I, and just for our listeners and the fans out there, Support grassroots racing. We still have probably maybe six weeks left of the season. Hopefully, weather permitting, we get it all in and enjoy it while you can because when November comes around, we've got a long road ahead till we get back to hopefully in 2020 some normalcy where back in April and May of 2021, we'll be able to have racing the way it used to be on. I thank you. You have a nice evening. You do the same as well. This is the Banker Bob Thought for September the 7th, 2020. You know you're getting old when you hire a personal trainer. And the first question you ask is, when I do squats, are my knees supposed to sound like a goat chewing on an aluminum can?
This portion of today's program is brought to you by number one Cochrane Automotive. Sprint cars are coming to the Jennerstown Speedway Complex. Saturday, September 12th, the winged 410 Sprint cars attack the half-mile asphalt oval with blistering speeds as the third annual visit of the nationally televised Must-See Sprint Car Series brings open-wheel racing to the Laurel Highlands. You've seen them on MAV-TV. Now see them in person at the Jennerstown Speedway, along with feature races for the weekly five divisions of stock cars, including late models and modifieds. That's Saturday, September 12th, the Midwest's fastest sprint cars on the pavement at Jennerstown Speedway. Advanced tickets are on sale now at www.jennerstown.org. Kids 12 and under are free. Sprint cars on the asphalt, Saturday, September 12th at Jennerstown Speedway Complex and weekly five division stock car racing continues every Saturday night through September 19th. Racers, race fans, or campers, are you looking for power on demand and excellent service? Then see our friends at Alternative Power Sources. Alternative Power Sources offers a complete line of generators and the ability to provide turnkey projects from sales and rentals to service, maintenance, and installation. Alternative Power Sources Incorporated, located in western Pennsylvania, has proudly served homeowners and businesses in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia since 1995. Alternative Power Sources is dedicated to providing reliable generator solutions. Their brands include Blue Star, Noller, Asco, Yamaha, Powertech, and Southeast Power Products. The sales force at Alternative Power Sources has over 60 years' experience in the generator field, providing you with the best resources to design the generator package that meets your needs and specifications and to supply the top-of-the-line specified products. If power on demand and excellent service are important to you, then call Alternative Power Sources at 1-800-894-4455. And now more Rapid on Racing with your hosts, Don Gamble and Mike Luzikowski. All right, fans, joining us now is Mike Luzikowski from the Jennerstown Speedway. Mike, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Don. I'm doing very well. And uh, as I look back to Saturday night, uh, you know, in the world of baseball, there's what they call a perfect game where an opponent gets nothing uh, not a hit, not a you know, no, nothing happens from the opposing side, and boy, we just about had ourselves a perfect game on Saturday night. Mother Nature, who has been our opponent for much of the year, <laughs> relented with the most perfect racing weather of 2020, and in five divisions of heat races, five divisions of feature races, one caution flag total for a minor due to a mechanical problem in the modified feature event. So it was darn near a perfect game at the Jennerstown Speedway on Saturday. So we'll jump right into the report. Former track champion Barry Oddy earned his first win of the season in the Martellus Pharmacy's late model division of racing as Somerset Trust Company presented five division racing and a fireworks display on Saturday night. Also celebrating in Stoney's Beer Victory Lane were Tom Golick, who won the Stoystown Auto Wreckers Modified Race on his mother's birthday, 
and repeat winners Casey Flegel in the Ron's Collision Center Street Stocks, Dale Kimberly in the Farmers Union Co-op Chargers, and Evan Nybert in the Somerset Trust Company Fast and Furious Four Cylinders. Now, pre-race ceremonies included the annual autograph night and the 2020 TriStar Motors Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And enshrined as the class of 2020 were retired drivers Ralph Blaugh, Gary Sleppy, Tiger Tom Erickson, team owner Doc Scanlon, and photographer David Singer. The 30-lap Martellus Pharmacy's late model feature race started with defending champion Teddy Gabala grabbing the lead from rookie Jeremy Schaefer at the wave of the green flag. Gabala, a winner already in 2020, opened up a big lead on the field after starting in the second position. Barry Audi advanced into second place from his mid-pack starting berth with a pass of former champion Gary Wiltrout on lap four. On lap eight, while Gabala continued to lead, point standings leader Albert Francis took third spot from early season winner Wiltrout. At the midpoint of the race, Gabala and Audi were separated by three car lengths, and Francis was closing in on the lead duo. Five-time former champion Audi was within one car length of the lead with just eight laps to go. Then a duel of past champions thrilled the fans, with Audi and Gabala racing side-by-side for the win. Audi became the leader officially by just inches at the scoring line with four laps to go. Then on lap 27, Audi completed the pass to secure the lead. With two laps to go, Audi finally opened up a full car length of advantage as Francis was challenging Gibala for second place. All three drivers fighting for the win are in contention for the 2020 championship crown. When the checkered flag was displayed, Audi earned his first win of the season in spite of starting back in the eighth position. Gibala, the leading winner of 2019, placed a close second defending that position from a serious late-race challenge. Francis, the only winner of multiple late-model races this season, three in total, finished third on the heels of Gabala. Francis of Painesville, Ohio, now carries a slim four-point advantage in the standings into next week's late-model battle. Recent winner Joe Maruka finished in fourth place after starting back in tenth, while sophomore driver Jared Barclay finished fifth. Audi and Gibala won the preliminary heat races earlier in the night. Audi, the driver of the Wheeler Family Show Cattle, Stoystown Auto Wreckers Pizza Hut Chevrolet, is the all-time leading winner in Jennerstown Speedway history. John Fama led the first two laps of the Stoystown Auto Wreckers Modified Division 20-lap feature after starting from the pole position. A rookie, Fama has looked strong all season, but he surrendered the lead on lap three. Tom Golick, a former dirt track champion, grabbed the top spot seeking his first win of 2020 as the most experienced driver in the field. Fama then lost the second position to Adam Henry on lap three as racing Jason Bush advanced into third place at the same time. Golick maintained the lead comfortably ahead of young Henry into the middle stages of the race. Defending champion Anthony Aiello battled Bush for multiple laps door-to-door in the fight for third place. On lap 10, Aiello became the third position driver, while at the head of the pack it was all Golick. Golick struggled through the 2019 season, but he returned to his expected speed throughout 2020. A winner of multiple feature events in 2017 and 18, Golick finally ended a long drought with a convincing victory. After the recent passing of Golick's father, 
Golick was able to celebrate in Stoney's Victory Lane with his mother on her 82nd birthday. Henry, meanwhile, had a career-best performance, earning a second-place finish after only a season and a half of modified competition. Point standings leader Aiello finished third, ahead of former winner Bush, and 2020 winner R.J. DeLappy placed fifth. DeLappy and Aiello won the heat races earlier in the night. Veteran Mel Wilt led the early laps of the Ron's Collision Center Street Stock Division 20-lap feature race. Former winner Zach Tadero held the runner-up spot with defending champion Aaron Van Fleet racing in the third place early on. Point standings leader Casey Flegel advanced from the 10th starting spot to claim third position from his championship nemesis Van Fleet at the halfway mark. Taking second place from Tadero on lap 11, Flegel immediately challenged Wilt for the lead. Wilt, a multi-division winner in his Jennerstown career, surrendered the top spot after leading 14 laps. Flegel grabbed the lead, then pulled away, earning his division-leading fifth victory of 2020 after coming from the fifth row in that race. At the finish line, the top five were Flieger, Flegel, Wilt, Tadero, two-time winner Van Fleet, and veteran Rick Melab, who started in the eighth position. Flegel and Van Fleet won the heat races, and Flegel now holds a mere 10-point advantage over Van Fleet in the battle for the 2020 street stock title. The 15-lap Farmers Union Co-op Charger feature event started with teenage rookie Will Hemminger on the pole position. But grabbing the lead early was defending champion Dale Kimberly, who started outside of row number one. Hemminger, a third-generation racer, maintained the second spot as Steven Singo advanced through the field. Veteran Singo started back in eighth position and quickly made his way into the top five. On lap 11, Singo passed Hemminger to become the runner-up. When the checkered flag waved, when the checkered flag waved, Kimberly increased his division-leading win total, earning his sixth trophy of 2020. Singo claimed second place and was gaining on Kimberly in the closing laps. Hemminger continued to impress with a third-place finish. Veteran Bob Mostaller has been very strong in recent weeks, earning another top-five finish with his fourth-place run. Cody Gaynor finished fifth. Kimberly also won the heat race earlier in the night. The Somerset Trust Company Fast and Furious Four-Cylinder Division 15-lap feature race started with former champion Evan Nybert grabbing the lead from his front-row starting spot. Lance Shawley, in the quest for a first victory, chased leader Nybert for the first half of the race. Then point standings leader Jeff Vassus became the runner-up on lap 10 after taking the green flag in 10th position. Nybert held the top spot the entire distance and claimed another victory his third of the year. Fellow three-time winner Vassos enjoyed a comfortable lead in the point standings and claimed second position in the race. Shawley's stellar night ended with a third-place finish, and 2019 winner Michael Saylor placed fourth. Jason Fulton earned his first top-five finish of the season with a smooth run. Michael Mole and Nybert were the heat race winners earlier in the night. And this coming Saturday dawn, September the 12th, winged sprint cars attack the Jennerstown asphalt for the first time in 2020. The methanol-burning, open-wheeled winged warriors of the nationally televised must Sprint Car Series bring their tour to the Laurel Highlands for one night only, and five division racing accompanies the wing sprint cars. Advanced tickets are on sale right now at Jennerstown.org. And, Don, I know you've been in attendance before, as will be the MAV-TV cameras for a television broadcast this Saturday. And 
if you've seen sprint cars on the dirt tracks, you've got to realize that they are monstrous horsepower in lightweight cars that are ultra-fast. But when you remove the wheel spin and the sliding through the turns, the speeds are absolutely breathtaking when these cars can get full traction all the way around the speedway and not lose any of that speed to wheel spin. Right after your report, we're going to have Rick Hawley, the driver of the number 86, must be... Rick Hawley, the driver of the must-see sprint car number 86. And Rick is a really interesting guy to talk to because not only has he been racing sprint cars for a long time, he has done every variety. He has done non-wing dirt track sprint car racing. He's done winged dirt track sprint car racing, in fact, this season several times. And he races in the winged asphalt sprints of the must-see cars. And so uh, a great guy to talk to because he has the perspective from every possible view of the sprint car world. And he, able, he was able to take some practice laps on Saturday as we were showing some of the fans who were in attendance for the fireworks display Saturday what these sprint cars really look like. So I don't want to say he has an advantage, but he is the most recent guy to turn some laps on the Jennerstown asphalt coming into Saturday's big race. Well, between the sprints and the close point races, the fans at Jennerstown, they got to be loving it. You know, this late model thing is going to be very, very interesting, Don, because the top three drivers are all still eligible to win that championship, and they've swapped those positions repeatedly throughout the season. Uh, Francis has led, Audi has led, Gibala has led, and when you're talking about single-digit margins in that division that is quite frankly, the highlight of most Saturday night racing programs when the sprint cars aren't in town anyway. Uh, This is going to come right down to the wire. I remember a couple of years back when Gary Wiltrout and Michael Hemminger were separated by two points in the final standings and entered the last night of racing tied. And that was a two-horse race that had everybody all fired up. This is a three-horse race coming down the stretch. Gibala was really, really quick the last two weeks, even though he has only one victory. And how about Audi, who's been in championship contention all year, but amazingly didn't find victory lane until the Labor Day weekend. Uh, that's a pretty historic, dare I say, slump for Audi in his career, and yet he's still within four points of being crowned the champion. Mike, an excellent report. Have we covered everything? I think we've got it all covered, and boy, is next week's report going to be, I'll still be smiling from ear to ear come Monday night after seeing those sprint cars tour the Jennerstown Speedway at those speeds. Thank you. You have a good evening. Same to you, Don. Number one Cochrane Automotive began as a small Pontiac dealership in 1965 and quickly became the number one name in Western Pennsylvania automotive sales and service. Today, number one Cochrane Automotive ranks among the top private dealer groups in the nation with 22 new car dealerships with locations in Allegheny Valley, Butler County, Greensburg, Monroeville, North Hills, Robinson, the South Hills, Irwin, and Zelianopoul. Number One Cochrane can serve the transportation needs of Western Pennsylvania customers unlike any other retailer. The acquisition of Chevrolet, Toyota, and Nissan boosts Number One Cochrane's new vehicle operations to 22 dealerships, representing a great selection of domestic and imported brands. Their mission? Treat customers like honored guests while delivering unparalleled value and selection. That was the goal of founder Bob Cochrane when he opened the doors more than 50 years ago. And it's still their goal today. For additional information on number one Cochrane sales and service, go to Cochrane.com.
All right, fans, momentarily, Rick Hawley's going to join us as a guest, but I want to set up the story. I was scheduled to do an interview with him this week for the sprint car race at Jennerstown on the asphalt. I'm sitting in the grandstands at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway Saturday, and I hear them announce sprint car driver Rick Hawley. So naturally, I'm curious. I walked onto the pits. I introduced myself, and I say, Rick, what's the story? Well, Rick, thanks for joining us tonight. So let's tell them what the story is. You're at a dirt sprint car race, but I'm supposed to interview you for an asphalt sprint car race. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that happened, Don. Uh, we were supposed to go to Jennerstown and, and help out with a little bit of practice and uh, put the car on display and make a few laps in. And the weather looked bad. So uh, the owner of the Speedway said, hey, you know, maybe next week will work. So we got to thinking about it and uh, found out PPMS was running. So I got the dirt car out, and uh, <laughs> that's where we ended up. Was, was that your first time at Pittsburgh? No, I've run there with, uh, without a wing uh, about three times and to wing a couple of other times. It's a big track. Moving yeah, around there pretty like fast, track, yeah. You know, I'm curious how you got involved in racing. How did that happen? I grew up in a racing family. My dad is C.J. Holly, uh, and my uncle Steve Holly owned cars in the '70s, and uh, my dad has driven them for you know since 1968. And uh, it just it's ingrained in me, I guess. Well, when you first started out, I guess as a kid, maybe you were like a mud scraper or something. What were your chores when Dad and your <laughs> uncle were racing? Yeah, it was uh, a little bit of mud scraping, washing the cars, and uh, I actually got started with uh, some engine work when I was before I was uh, in my teens. So, uh, just grew up in it, and whatever needed to be done, I was I was always around to help out until Dad kicked us out. Now, did you do any go-karts or any other type of racing prior to getting in a sprint car? No, this is the only thing I've ever known. I've uh, never driven anything else. What do you think is the best part of racing? Honestly, I think it's the people. Uh, <laughs> you meet so many nice people, whether it's uh, the people in the stands, the, the people you race with are, are always good people. Um, I, I can honestly say it's mostly the people. The greatest people in the world are involved in short track racing. You know, and we're all one huge family. We just don't know it. And, you know, you be out on the track, you run the wheels off a guy and uh, come in after the races, maybe have an adult beverage, uh, a bite to eat, and just shoot the breeze for a while. And that's what I like. I mean, I've seen occasions over the years where – uh, there was a deal at uh, at Lerner Mill years ago where there were two two late models battling for the point championship, and one of the guys got in a minor accident, and the other team, his competitors, come over and help him fix the car, and I'll be darned if the guy they helped fix the car didn't win the championship. But that gives you an idea how good these people are. Yep, that's exactly right. Uh, we've been in similar situations where a competitor of Dad's. Uh, had a mag go bad one night so we loaned them a mag and later on in the season they beat us out in the punch championship so you know it, it happens everywhere around the country like that let's talk about kc raceway back in the late 80s i think around 89 you were racing with your dad let's talk about that feature <laughs> yeah there was uh several nights in the, in the late 80s i started in 1986 uh racing sprint cars 
and actually got fairly competitive in uh, 88, 89. And uh, Dad and I had a pretty good race going on, and uh, he won the race, and I ended up second, and that was just uh, it was one of the highlights of my career so, to pull up alongside my, my dad at the end of the race and uh, give him a big thumbs up was kind of uh, kind of a cool deal. Well, I find over the years when either a father and son or brothers, <clears throat> when they race together, they race harder than any other time when they're just racing other guys. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Uh, you know, we've had several nights where we raced against each other, and, uh, you know, we were running back 6th, 7th, but we'd get to racing against each other, we'd suddenly speed up, and we might end up 2nd and 3rd, 3rd and 4th, and uh, we had some great, great races. Let's talk about the Indianapolis Speedrome in the early 2000s when you were running against Gary Fidewa. Oh, yeah, those were good times. We ran the Auto Value Series and the Haas Series. Auto Value staged a 100-lap race on this little fifth-mile track called the Indianapolis Speedrome. We were actually pretty quick right off the bat, and uh, I ended up starting up up front in this feature. I led 94 laps of the race. And Gary Fido, I think he was just back there maybe playing with us a little bit. The last uh, six laps, he was able to pass us, and uh, he won the race, and I finished second. But to run against guys like him, Jeff Bloom, uh, Bill Rose, and a lot of the others that uh, were in that series at the time, was uh, that was pretty good. I understand you had a rough night at O. Ohio Valley Speedway in hot laps. Can you share that story with the fans? I really don't want to, but I will. <laughs> we, they had just watered the track, and I was in the first hot lap session. And being young, I kind of uh, went in maybe a little too hard into one and two and slid right over the edge of the track, ended up on my head in the creek. Um, I got out of the car and... Uh, climb my way back up on top of the track only to find that there was uh, no more than half a dozen or so of uh, fellow competitors like Rodney Duncan and Ron Myers, uh, Todd Kane, and several others uh, giving me a standing ovation. (laughs) (laughs) It had to be embarrassing. (laughs) That was probably the most embarrassing moment that I've ever had. (laughs) Fans, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Rick Hawley. He drives sprint cars uh, 84 and 85. And... uh, we're looking forward to seeing him up at Jennerstown with Must See Racing. Now, you, you mentioned your dad, C.J. Hawley, and your uncle Steve. Uh, they let you help them out when, they, when uh, you were a kid. But dad was pretty successful at Atomic and KC in Chillicothe, Ohio. A little bit about that. Yeah, dad, uh, dad and Steve, uh, they won the track championship, their first one, in 1980. At the, it was at that time called Atomic Speedway. And from 1980 through 1989, uh, they were track champions uh, six times. And there wasn't even any racing going on there in 1984. So he was, uh, he was definitely one of the ones to beat. And for me to be around that and learn from those guys, uh, you know, I can, that's my, my biggest hero. So uh, to learn from one of your heroes is... Uh, it's pretty pretty fun and amazing. 
I may have given the wrong car number. You have numbers 85 and 86. How did you arrive at these numbers? Well, my dad's number was, was 85, and when I was uh, a kid growing up, I always knew that I wanted to race cars, and I wanted to drive the number 85 car. And when I started racing in 1986, of course, Dad was still running and running that familiar 85. So I chose the number 80, 86, and grew to like that, that number. So uh, when I got started with the pavement racing here back in 2017, I just adopted the uh, 85 on the pavement car, and I run the 86 on my dirt car. Now, when you run the pavement, where are some of the tracks where you're able to compete? We, this year, ran at uh, Lucas Oil Raceway in Indianapolis, the big uh, almost three-quarter mile track. Uh, We run anywhere and everywhere that the uh, Must Sprint Series races. We've run at Owasso, Michigan. Uh, We ran at Ace Speedway down in North Carolina last year. We took a trip to Golden Sand Speedway in uh, Wisconsin about a month and a half ago. Uh, just anywhere and everywhere we'll run. I understand you'd like to run the Little 500 in Indiana. That's, uh, that's a pretty tough race. Yes, it is, and that, that's actually going on this weekend, and uh, I really wish I was there. That's one of my, my lifelong goals is to try to run that 500-lap race with uh, 33 cars starting three abreast on a little quarter-mile track. It's it's pretty breathtaking to, to watch the start of that race. Uh, but that that's always something that I've been intrigued with and, and really want to do. Uh, the, the money that's involved in that and just the logistics of doing that, um, it, you can't just take your car and, and go over there and run a 500-lap race. There's, uh, there's a lot involved in that. Let's talk a little bit about your son, Chance. How old is he and what's his involvement with the team? My son is uh, my son Chance was born in 1991, so he is he'll be uh, 30 next year. He's 29, and he goes to UNOH. He's a manager of their race team, and he is learning so much about racing at that college that uh, it's unbelievable. Um, he is uh, he's my crew chief on my cars. And he'll help me prepare him when he gets the opportunities. But he he's becoming my my setup man at the racetrack more and more. I'm relying on him to make more decisions on setting the car up. And it's starting to pay off because I can concentrate more on the driving. And he can use his, uh, his brain for getting the car drivable. How uh, about... Oh, go ahead. No, nah, he's, he's just... Uh, I'm super proud of him. He's... Uh, uh, He's trying to make a career in racing for himself, and uh, I'm there to support him in any way I can. Now, is there any other uh, pit crew guys that help you out? Uh, Scott Solem from uh, over below Dayton, Ohio. He's uh, he's a photographer, and he started helping us out in 2016 uh, when I started racing again. And he, he goes just about every race we go to. He's a super nice guy. Um, and he just, uh, whatever we need him to do, he's there, he's there to help us. What we're going to do, we're going to need to take a commercial break. Uh, Fans, you stand by. We'll be back with more with Rick Hawley after these messages. 
Sprint cars are coming to the Jennerstown Speedway Complex. Saturday, September 12th, the winged 410 Sprint cars attack the half-mile asphalt oval with blistering speeds as the third annual visit of the nationally televised Must-See Sprint Car Series brings open-wheel racing to the Laurel Highlands. You've seen them on MAV-TV. Now see them in person at the Jennerstown Speedway, along with feature races for the weekly five divisions of stock cars, including late models and modifieds. That's Saturday, September 12th, the Midwest's fastest sprint cars on the pavement at Jennerstown Speedway. Advanced tickets are on sale now at www.jennerstown.org. Kids 12 and under are free. Sprint cars on the asphalt, Saturday, September 12th at Jennerstown Speedway Complex and weekly five division stock car racing continues every Saturday night through September 19th. All right, fans, we're back. We're talking to sprint car driver Rick Hawley. You know, Rick, a uh, couple items I'd like to talk about. Any sponsors you have helping you with your car? Yeah, I have uh, many sponsors, but uh, this year we have Olmstead um, Auto Care on board to help us out some and uh an old friend from columbus ohio gary rife uh contributed to uh to our little team this year and we were able to uh, get some tires that we desperately needed and my mom and dad have contributed a little bit so uh, not a whole lot of sponsors and we'd love to have some more you know you got some pretty nice things on your resume 1986 kc raceway rookie of the year 2019 must see racing rookie of the year um that's pretty impressive so in your rookie years you uh, must have opened a lot of eyes <laughs> i guess i need to be a rookie every year huh yeah uh, <laughs> yeah i've always uh, been able to adapt fairly quick at, at whatever's thrown at me uh, we've got um we've got less than adequate equipment i guess you could say but we try to do the best we can with what we've got and uh, just go have fun. Have you ever run at Jennerstown? Yes, we've run at Jennerstown twice now the last two years for the uh, David D. Mateer, uh tribute race. Uh, my first year I finished uh, ninth, I think it was, and uh, I think last year we finished seventh. Now, you, you primarily uh, ran the dirt. Uh, when did you decide you were going to dabble in the pavement? What year did that all happen? Well, I was uh, I was helping my dad. He was running with the AWOL series down in Florida in 1996. There was a uh, five-day show down there, and an old fellow had a 1966 Sikonese car. And his driver quit on him after the fourth night, so he asked me if I'd like to drive the car. And uh, that was my first foray into pavement racing, and it was, a, you know, of course, against my dad down there. I ended up uh, finishing second in my heat race, and we finished fourth in the feature. So it just seemed, uh, seemed like it came along pretty You have been in a lot of different series. Uh, obviously, All-Star Circuit of Champions, the World of Outlaws, USAC, uh, and so many other ones. The Boss Series, uh, Must See Racing. Uh, do you have a preference to which one you seem to like the best? Lately, I've I've really come to enjoy running without the wing on dirt. So uh, the Boss Series provided that opportunity for me when we started racing again in 2016. Um, 
but at the same time, we got started uh, back on the pavement in 2017, and uh, we got introduced with the Must See Racing Series. Uh, so, you know, it's a uh, it, it's almost equal between the the dirt and the pavement. But uh, if I had my druthers, I guess it would be the dirt. I uh, really like when you folks come to Jennerstown. I give Billy Rebar a lot of credit. Uh, sprint cars are a very popular division, and to give the fans the chance to see them at Jennerstown. And is this the third year that you folks have been up there? Yes, I believe that's. Uh, I know it is for me, and I, I'm pretty sure that was their first year uh, two years ago. So this, I believe, is their third year. Let's get back to your son, Chance. Uh, you know, he's with UNOH, manager of their race team. Uh, when will he finish up at uh, school? Well, he was set to finish up earlier this year, but, uh, you know, all the things that happened, uh, he just got started back into school this past week. So he will graduate uh, in two months, uh, provided everything stays uh, the way it is right now. Uh-huh. And uh, he'll be venturing out into the uh, the work world of racing, hopefully. Uh, does he have a, a priority or a goal that he has in mind where he'd like to try and get in? He's, he's interested in, in sales positions, promoting positions, um, and quite honestly, just about anything that would come along that's, uh, that's of value. Now, where, where does he live? I, I know the school school's in North Carolina, right? No, it's actually in Lima, Ohio. Oh, I'm sorry. And yeah. Yeah, he's living over there right now. Um, when he's off school, he'll come over and stay with me here uh, here in, in uh, Pennsylvania or down in Nelsonville, Ohio. So he's got three residences, I guess you could say. Yeah. Fans, we're talking to Rick Hawley. Rick, we're coming up on another commercial. Do you have any closing thoughts, anything you'd like to add, anything we missed? We've about covered everything. I know there's a there's an awful lot of stories that could be told, um, but I really would like to encourage everybody to get out to Jennerstown Speedway in two weeks. It's going to be a great race. Uh, this year is very tight with the com- competition, and uh, I know we've definitely improved on our car, and I think we're going to be a little more competitive this year. So uh, make sure you come out to Jennerstown. That'll be a good show. Well, Rick, uh, I look forward to seeing you again when you're up there. It was nice to meet you at Pittsburgh, and I want to thank you for being with us. Likewise, Don. Thank you very much. This portion of today's program was brought to you by Number One Cochrane Automotive. Toma's Meat Market is a full-service, old-fashioned butcher shop and meat market. Their stores nestled in the farmlands of western Pennsylvania, where they've been for over 50 years. They hand-select cattle and hogs purchased from local farmers. At Toma's, they can help you prepare for anything from your own family's dinner to a special graduation party, a company picnic, an anniversary celebration, a wedding reception, or a whole host of other things. They can prepare entrees and have them ready for pickup or delivery in foil chafer pans. Just heat them and eat them. Please call or stop by to find out about putting a package of these ideas together for your special event. The taste and the service are out of this world. Toma's Meat Market, located at 748 Dinnerbell Road in Saxonburg, PA. For additional information, please give them a call at 724-352-2020. That's 724-352-2020. Are you in need of financial planning or portfolio review? 
Rick Sabo of RPS Financial Solutions is an independent financial planner who has testified as an expert witness on insurance and investment fraud. He helps people who are concerned about their portfolio or with other financial matters. His services include investments, pension, and 401k rollovers, estate planning, life insurance, and long-term care alternatives. As a registered IRS tax preparer, he can assist retirees with the completion of property tax rebate forms and other government tax reduction programs at no charge. Mr. Sabo does not charge a fee to meet with potential clients for a fact find. His office is located at 5061 Route 8, Gibsonia, PA. If you are in need of any of the services that he provides, give him a call at 724-443-5720. That's 724-443-5720. Or email him at rick.sabo at jwcemail.com. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, member of FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated, neither J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated or J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, nor its representatives provide legal, tax preparation, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W.C.A. J.W.C. RPS Financial Solutions and JWC, JWCA are unaffiliated entities. And now more Rappin' on Racing with your host Don Gamble and Jim Zufall. Saturday night at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, it was the 14th running of the Red Miley Rumble this year, presented by Falcone's Moon Township Automotive with other presenting sponsors, Cletus Motorsports, Kenworth of Pennsylvania, Rorick Automotive, and more, all getting behind this great cause, remembering a great man at, that was Red Miley. Of course, we lost Red Miley at age 53, and his birthday was May the 5th, so 5-3 was a thread throughout the entire Red Miley Rumble, as it is every year, including a lot of $53 lap sponsors, and we had a ton of those. We got to cover all of those during the night. I had great help from Dave Oliveri, reading through a number of sponsors who donated $53 uh, each, and sometimes a lot more. There was a $1,000 bonus on the line. If one driver could finish both segments of the 53 laps of feature racing, so things got underway with a 20-lap race, and then a 33 later in the night and if one driver could pick up both victories they would wind up thanks to Schoenhofer Welding and Cletus Motorsports they could take home a tidy $1,000 bonus and things worked out pretty interesting as the night wore on Bill Korch from Rapid on Racing was on hand and he files this report. Saturday night at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway it was the annual Red Miley Rumble this year with two separate features for the crate late models. 31 cars were in the pits for the race that honors the late track promoter and member of the Miley family that currently owns and operates the track. Red was 53 years old when he passed away, so the two features combined would make up 53 laps, 20 in the first feature, 33 for the second one. Ben Police, who's been the hottest driver recently at PPMS, set the fast time during time trials. Before he race wins went to Police, Bill Kessler, Kyle Lucon, and Josh Ferry. In the first feature, Police led all the way from his pole position with only one early caution in the race. And police mentioned in victory lane that with 30 cars starting, that meant a lot of lap cars. You know, after about five laps, we were getting in the lap traffic and there were cars high, low, the middle. You know, we were zigzagging everywhere to try to uh, try to get through there. So I'm just happy, you know, we made it through and, and picked up the first win here tonight. 
The top 10 in the 20-lap feature number one for the Red Miley Rumble. Ben Police the winner. John Mollick in second. Mike Doritsky finished third. Kyle Lucon fourth. And Josh Ferry fifth. Six through 10 went to Daryl Charlier, Jake Gunn, Tommy Schernhofer, Logan Zarin, and Bill Kessler. They would invert nine cars for the second feature, putting Logan Zarin on the pole. Police would have to battle from his ninth starting position if he was to capture both features and a $1,000 bonus. Zarin, the young driver and son of veteran late-model driver Jim Zarin, led the first nine laps that included three restarts, and that allowed police to get near the front of the pack. Tommy Schoenhofer took the lead on lap 10, but police moved to the front one lap later. He and Schoenhofer swapped the lead again, but police regained the top spot on lap 13. Kyle Lucon closed in on police and moved out in front after a restart on lap 21. But police wasn't finished and regained the lead four laps later. Then Lucon ducked underneath a lapped car in turn two, which moved up to impede police, and that gave Lucon the lead again on lap 28. He stayed there the remaining five laps to win the main feature of the Red Miley Rumble. In victory lane, Lucon talked about taking the lead. I felt like we were better the longer we could run. Uh, then we got those couple restarts uh, when I got the restart next to Ben. and I, I kind of figured on that last one, if I didn't get up in front of him coming off a of two, uh, I didn't have a shot because his stuff was so good. But uh, he ended up getting back around me. I was a little surprised he came underneath me in three. But then uh, we run up in the lap traffic. I don't know if that one car held him up or if he just bobbled a little bit. And, of course, Lucon mentioned his battle with Ben Police. His car, he's been on a rail most of the year, and he's been flying. And all night I was trying to figure out what can I do to get a half second because he's just gone. There's nothing I can do with him. I figured my best bet was on that in the very beginning of the race. Uh, maybe if we could have gone green the whole time, he's starting ahead of him. Once he uh, got by me there in the early stages, I really honestly didn't think I had anything for him because he's been so great this year. Uh, they got a lot figured out. And uh, if we can be as good as him, then uh, maybe we can get back here a couple more times too. Lucon almost didn't make the trip to the Red Miley Rumble. Be able to come back here, uh, there was a special. They said they were putting up extra money and everything. Matt did a great job with that. Uh, we were originally headed to Elkins this weekend, and then they kept piling on more money for this weekend. So uh, I'm glad we decided to come here. It's great to see everyone we don't get to see every week, and uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. The top 10 in the main feature for the Red Miley Rumble. Kyle Lucon, the winner. Ben Police finishing second. Daryl Charlier ran a good race. He was third. Mike Doritsky was fourth, and Logan Zarin finished fifth. 6-10 through 10 went to Tommy Schoenhofer, John Mollick, Mike Reft, Josh Ferry, and Jake Gunn. Matt Miley called it another successful night of racing in honor of his late brother. On behalf of Miley Motorsports, I'd like to thank everybody for coming out. This is uh, what Red Miley was all about. Great racing, twin features, a great crowd, a crowd doing what they have to do so we can be here. And just can't thank you enough. I just have some kind of feeling Red was looking down on us today. And I can't go without mentioning the other two partners we've lost, uh, Debbie Miley and David Barak. But uh, season 32, we're still clicking. Reporting on the Red Miley Rumble, for Rapid on Racing, I'm Bill Korch. Other action at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway on Saturday night. 
The Rush Sportsman Modified coming for uh, first of several events here as the season starts to come to a close already in the month of September. And Tony Tattenhurst uh, ruled the roost, uh, picked up the heat race win over a kind of a short field, an eight-car field for the Rush Sportsman Modified. Tattenhurst in the 63T took the heat and the feature win with Cole Holden finishing second in the heat. Jacob Jordan, David Kalb Jr., and Chelsea Krekich rounding out the top five. Jordan Ehrenberg, Jessica Krekich, and Don. Cornelius rounding out the field for the Rush Sportsman Modifieds. The Admar Pro Stocks were the first of our four remaining divisions that uh, ran features only so we could deal with the Red Miley Rumble and the 53 laps of feature racing, which also included time trials and everything else, as you heard from Bill's report. So the Admar Pro Stocks was a feature only night. Again, a short field for the Pro Stocks as well, coming off of a Penn, Ohio Pro Stock race the night before at Lernerville Speedway. Daryl Charlier comes away the winner in the 114 car driving for Ben Laboon. That car is shared from time to time with Charlier and mostly driven by Dave McManus. But it was Charlier in the 14 car on Saturday night picking up the victory. Ryan Moyer in the 13X was second. Nick Kachuba, Bill Robertson. believe Bill Robertson might be his first appearance at PPMS this year. And Jeff Bronischewski and John Gill rounded out the field for the Admar Equipment Pro Stocks. The Keystone Coachworks Hobby Stocks, 13 cars checked into the pits, and once again, it was Stephen Sheltman standing in victory lane. Been our winner multiple years, multiple, uh, been our champion, rather, multiple years. Been our winner multiple times already this year, but there's a couple of cars really starting to creep into his uh, into his trunk every single week, and one of those is Frank McGill, and the other one is Cody Catellis, and they finished second and third to Sheltman in the Keystone Coachworks Hobby Stocks. Ben Anton still knocking on the door for that very first feature win, finished fourth with Robert Betts finishing fifth. Matt Bernard, Tom Anton, John Kane, Mike Tropic. And Ed Sheltman rounded out the top 10 in the Keystone Coachworks Hobby Stocks. In the Crawford Auto Repair four cylinders, it was Philip Bubeck yet again in the 2L car. Philip Bubeck out of West Virginia built, beat another West Virginian and Bill Tennant. Andy Garlinger from Hopewell, Ohio. A lot of uh, out of town guys come in for this four cylinder division here at PPMS. April Tennant in that 95 car, the Lightning McQueen-themed car, finishing fourth. Kyle Janice in the 88. Janice, a recent graduate out of the Young Gun division. Jay Swagger, Chris Knight, Susie Rudolph, Bob Quaig, and Eric Reynolds in that number 53. Herbie the Love Bug rounded out the top 10 in the Crawford Auto Repair four cylinders. And wrapping things up, the always safe Young Guns. Once again, he's won every race this year. Philip Bubeck in the number two car, our teenage division, the Young Guns. It's the always safe traffic control Young Guns. So Bubeck picks up yet another win with Wyatt Mock in the 88 car. That car looks exactly like uh, Kyle Janice's car in the uh, four cylinders. They're partner cars. So 88 was Wyatt Mock in second, Noah Clip in third, and Cameron Hollister coming in fourth. Next Saturday night at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, we pick up again with a regular five-division show. We'll be making up the feature from the Hobby Stock uh, feature a few weeks ago when we suffered. Uh, well, actually, we ran up against the clock and had to cut it short for curfew. We already made up the four-cylinder race a few weeks ago. We owe the Hobby Stocks a feature race. And tentatively on the uh, schedule are the Vintage Modifieds as well. So a pretty 
packed uh, Saturday night once again this coming Saturday night at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. Weather was beautiful. Track was great. Everything really fell into place here on Saturday night at PPMS. And we thank everybody for coming out, paying attention to all of our COVID restrictions that we have to deal with to remain open. And we start to wind things down here with September. Already next week, it's the 12th or this coming Saturday. It's the 12th. Have a couple of more weeks in September and we go directly into the Pittsburgh 100 weekend on October 2nd and 3rd. And potentially, we may extend the season one more week with the winged sprint cars. The 410s may well be coming back on October the 10th. Not a whole lot else going on around that time, so we may be extending the Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway season. Keep up with all that, uh, those changes on the schedule, because the schedule, as we have been reminded by Matt Miley himself, when you look at that schedule, you pay attention to that big word, tentative, because things can and do change quickly with weather and availability of uh, divisions to race. A whole lot going on here every Saturday night at PPMS. For Rapid on Racing, I'm Jim Zufall. This portion of today's program is brought to you by Alternative Power Sources. The Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway schedule is jam-packed again for the 2020 season. Every Saturday night through October, you can enjoy five big divisions of racing action and so much more. Each action event features the Deal Automotive Rush Dirt Late Models, the PPMS Pro Socks, the Keystone Coachworks Hobby Socks, the Four Cylinders, and the Young Guns. Add to that special appearances by the Rush Sportsman Modifieds, the Rush Wingless Sprints, the Buckeye Outlaw Sprint Series, and the 410 Wing Sprints. The 2020 season wraps up on October 2nd and 3rd with the 32nd Annual Pittsburgher 100 featuring the stars and cars of the Lucas Oil Lake Model Series. Gates open every Saturday at 5 p.m. with hot laps at 6 and green flag racing at 7. General admission just $15 for adults. Keep up to date with everything happening at Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway by following us on Twitter, at PA Motor Speedway. On Facebook, it's Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. And as always, find all the information about PPMS at ppms.com. Number one, Cochran Automotive began as a small Pontiac dealership in 1965 and quickly became the number one name in Western Pennsylvania automotive sales and service. Today, number one Cochrane Automotive ranks among the top private dealer groups in the nation with 22 new car dealerships with locations in Allegheny Valley, Butler County, Greensburg, Monroeville, North Hills, Robinson, the South Hills, Irwin, and Zelenopoul. Number one Cochrane can serve the transportation needs of Western Pennsylvania customers unlike any other retailer. The acquisition of Chevrolet, Toyota, and Nissan boosts number one Cochrane's new vehicle operations to 22 dealerships representing a great selection of domestic and imported brands. Their mission? Treat customers like honored guests while delivering unparalleled value and selection. That was the goal of founder Bob Cochran when he opened the doors more than 50 years ago. And it's still their goal today. For additional information on number one Cochrane sales and service, go to Cochrane.com. And now back to Don Gamble and more Rapid on Racing. Thanks for tuning in to Rapid on Racing. I'm Lenny Baticki. Coming up next, a recording we did for PRN's At the Track. Check it out. And joining us now on the ProFabrication.com hotline, the voice of Raceway 7, Julie Coates. Hey, Julie, welcome back to the show. Before we even get started about uh, questions of events and stuff, please remind us, where is Raceway 7 and kind of what's the description of the track? 
Sure. Raceway 7 is a 716-smile track, um, a semi-banked clay oval track in extreme northeast Ohio. Um, if you're traveling along Interstate 90, uh, coming in from Pennsylvania, it's the very first exit off of Interstate 90 into Ohio. And if you're going from Ohio to Pennsylvania, we're the last one. <laughs> and uh, We're north of Youngstown, east of Cleveland. So that little corner there that right where Lake Erie and the Ohio-Pennsylvania line meet, that's basically where we're located, extreme northeast Ohio. Yeah, but e easy to find. And help me with the math now, 7 sixteenths. Uh, that sounds like, uh, to use other kind of math, a skosh under half a mile, am I right? Or yes. over? Yeah, under. It's under half a mile. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Raceway 7's voice, Julie Coates on the profabrication.com hotline, chatting with us about the track that is just under half a mile there, Raceway 7. Got uh, a big event, I understand, coming up next weekend, September 12th. Uh, what's going on? Well, we're going to have the super late models back at Raceway 7. They used to be a regular class at Raceway 7 for many years under a couple of different names, late models, uh, steel blocks, and uh, over the years, it just wind down where we weren't uh, able to have the super late models on a regular basis at the racetrack. But every year we try to bring them back at least once. And this year will be our uh, third annual uh, September shootout, which will have the super late models. Also, it'll be the uh, E-Mods, the Rush Sprint, and the Mini Stocks all racing. 5,000 wins for the super late models. And trust me, the fans would love to have the super late models back. Uh, every weekend, if we could, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of tracks that race around us, and so we have a big contingent of super late model racers around the well, around the area. Um, hang, hang on, just one second before we start chatting about that. Julie Coates on the Profabrication.com hotline chatting with us about Raceway 7's big event, September 12th. That's a Saturday, 5,000 to win the September shootout for the super late models on their less than half a mile, just slightly less than half a mile dirt mm -hmm. track there. Uh, in northeastern Ohio. And speaking of profabrication, profabrication headers exhausted all the parts and pieces that go with it just a click of a mouse away at profabrication.com. So I, I, I was starting to feel like you were going to tell me about some of the uh, cats that we might get to see racing there. Who are you thinking in the crystal ball is likely to show up there at Raceway 7 on September 12th? Uh, well, I have a feeling Max Player will probably be there. He it was our winner last uh, week, or last year, I should say. Doug Brown was the winner of the original, uh, the inaugural race. And then last year, it was Max Player. Max Player has a long history with Raceway 7. His grandfather, Max, used to race there. His father, Robbie Blair, is actually the all-time winner at uh, Raceway 7 on the Super Late Model a list with 39 wins. So it, it's one of those, it, it's definitely a family tradition. It's a little, uh, maybe probably about an hour, hour and a half drive from him, but anytime he gets a chance to race at Raceway 7, he'll always be there, he says. Wow. Uh, also, expecting some of the guys from Pittsburgh coming up. I know last year, Jared Miley, Mike Pegger, um, they, they've come up. Dave Hess Jr. is another one who a lot of times will come over to the track for the races. Uh, his father, also one of the top uh, winners at the Super Late Models. Uh, I remember watching him when I was a kid, uh, Dave Hess Sr. So there's a lot of uh, uh, regional drivers that expect to come pulling from Ohio, Pittsburgh, or Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, probably get some New York drivers and even some drivers maybe from West Virginia coming up. Raceway 7 voice, Julie Coates on the profabrication.com hotline. If there was one thing fans should come hungry for at the refreshment stand, what is it there at Raceway 7 that they love to eat? 
Oh, it's a little bit of everything. <laughs> I mean, there's, I haven't had anything bad at a drag. One of the things I hear a lot of people talking about are sausage sandwiches. So that's, that is definitely a fan favorite, the French fries. Um, what's nice is the owners also have a meat market. So a lot of the meat and uh, sandwiches and stuff like that that you have at the racetrack come from their meat market. So mm-hmm. that's really cool. And they'll have their own beef sticks. They'll have uh, ox rows. You're, you're, you're making me uh, too hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, I got to go. Uh, Julie Coates, voice of Raceway 7, raceway7.com, Saturday, September 12th, the September shootout, 5,000 to win for the super late models. Go say hi to Julie and see the race again. Raceway 7 fans will be right back with more. This portion of today's program was brought to you by Alternative Power Sources. Toma's Meat Market is a full-service, old-fashioned butcher shop and meat market. Their stores nestled in the farmlands of western Pennsylvania, where they've been for over 50 years. They hand-select cattle and hogs purchased from local farmers. At Toma's, they can help you prepare for anything from your own family's dinner to a special graduation party, a company picnic, an anniversary celebration, a wedding reception, or a whole host of other things. They can prepare entrees and have them ready for pickup or delivery in foil chafer pans. Just heat them and eat them. Please call or stop by to find out about putting a package of these ideas together for your special event. The taste and the service are out of this world. Toma's Meat Market, located at 748 Dinner Bell Road in Saxonburg, PA. For additional information, please give them a call at 724 724- 352-2020. That's 724-352-2020. Are you in need of financial planning or portfolio review? Rick Sabo of RPS Financial Solutions is an independent financial planner who has testified as an expert witness on insurance and investment fraud. He helps people who are concerned about their portfolio or with other financial matters. His services include investments, pension, and 401k rollovers, estate planning, life insurance, and long-term care alternatives. As a registered IRS tax preparer, he can assist retirees with the completion of property tax rebate forms and other government tax reduction programs at no charge. Mr. Sabo does not charge a fee to meet with potential clients for a fact find. His office is located at 5061 Route 8, Gibsonia, PA. If you are in need of any of the services that he provides, give him a call at 724-443-5720. That's 724-443-5720. Or email him at rick.sabo at jwcemail.com. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, member of FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated, neither J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated or J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, nor its representatives provide legal, tax preparation, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W.C.A., J.W.C. RPS Financial Solutions and J.W.C., J.W.C.A. are unaffiliated entities. And now back to Don Gamble and more Rapping on Racing. Fans, joining us now is Super Joe Kelly. Joe, good evening. How are you? Good, Don. Thanks for having me. How did you get that nickname? Super Joe. Oh, actually, right now it's like not so super, but uh, (laughs) how that started off was at Challenger Raceway. The announcer, Randy May, started that. I don't know where you come up with that, but... That's, that's 
where I got it, and I guess it stuck around. It's it's a good nickname. Now, as best I can recall, uh, you started out in the Enduros, which would be the mid to late 80s. And I remember you racing at Lernerville. Did you do Enduros anywhere other than Lernerville? We went to Motor Drum when it was started. Actually, that's where I started with Motor Drum. Lernerville was a lot further to go at the time. But once we started going to Lernerville and, and Motor Drum and doing well, we, we went out east a little bit. We went out to Williams Grove. We went out to Hagerstown, Silver Springs, which is no longer existing. Um, i trying to think where else. We went to Interstate down south a little bit, down Interstate 79, ran some down there, but that's when everything was cheap, you know. Gas was only 70-some cents, and turn, turnpike fare didn't kill you. So we, we had a good time doing that. Now, what motivated you to get into racing? I understand you didn't do go-karts or any of the things that a lot of drivers do. Uh, what made you decide to be a race car driver? Well, it's something I liked as a kid. We, we didn't live too far from Schmuckers at the time, and my dad would take me to Schmuckers on, on Saturday as a kid. But as I got older and, and so forth, I, I took auto mechanics in school, and so I always liked cars. I did a little drag racing on the street, and we went to the drag strip. But I always liked the dirt racing. I always went to, to watch. You know, I, I enjoyed being a spectator, and I wanted to get involved when they started these endorers. So... And then another reason I didn't start go-karts, because when I started racing, I actually I was too old to race go-karts, I think, when I decided to, you know, to, to try to circle stuff. How old were you when you started? Uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, I was probably in, in my late 20s when I very, when I very first started yeah. indoor racing. Well, you've come a long way in the 30-plus years. I'm guessing maybe about 34 years you've been racing. 174 wins, 15 track championships. Uh, besides Lernerville and Challenger, uh, where else uh, did you have championships? Were there any other ones? Uh, at Lake Trope Speedway, I had, had some there. Which one was your was it. Which one was your first championship? Hmm, I think my first championship was, was Challenger because I I didn't do the two night deal. I just did the Saturday night deal with Challenger. Now and then, and then I started going going to Lernerville. Like, I can't remember if they even had my division that I actually raced in at the time yet at Lernerville. Well, when you mentioned divisions and you've been in several. Uh, Okay, you started in the Enduros. What came after that? Well, what happened was Marion Center, their, their, their stock class, or whatever you want to call it, pure stock, street stocks, whatever you call them, they were pretty much like an Enduro car. You ran street tires and so forth. Well, I just started running my Enduro car at Marion Center with, with the street stocks, and then evidently started to get like a full-blown pure stocks to reach stock. Oh, they had so many different names, it's hard to keep up to it. Right, the right. stocks now. Well, at what point in time did you get into a modified? Modified? I got, uh, Greg, Greg and Deb Simon fixed me up with that. I'm, I'm trying to think. That was for three years. Uh, 
the black body, orange body, and the blue body. Blue body was the first one. Um, I can't remember exactly what year that was. Uh, well, now these in the mid mid nineties, I'd say these modifieds. They weren't your cars, were they? You were driving for somebody. Yes. Well, actually, I don't know. Deb Simon and Deb and Greg Simon. They sold supplies at Challenger. Basically, more or less American racing tires, and of course, your parts, springs, radiators, all their, all your knickknacks that you need when you get tore up at the races. Yeah. But um, they they were selling. They were like a dealer for this chassis. I can't remember the name of the chassis. And then um, somehow I I got I got my hands on it and. I had that for three years. Now, was there ever a time when you were running the modified and the stock at the same time? Yeah, um, every Saturday we did that, and then and then we turned around and and ran both both of them cars at Lake Trobe on Sunday. So when I was busy and I was full uh, p wind and excitement, we raced <laughs> Learnable Friday, Challenger two cars, and then. They drove two cars. That's a lot of work. But um, you know, it didn't seem bad at the time. But uh, I have a hard time going once once a week. <laughs> now, fifteen. you get? Yeah. On. Fifteen track championships at Lernerville, uh, four in a row, but six altogether. Is there more than that? At Lernerville? Yeah. I, I, you know. Uh, um, there was five at Challenger, I believe seven, seven at Laranville, and then three at Lake Trobe. What a resume! I mean, that's that's amazing to to win that many races and still be a good guy. Hey, uh, fans, if <laughs> if you're jo- just joining us, we're talking to Joe Kelly. Uh, Randy May, the announcer, Challenger gave him the nickname Super Joe, and I like that. Now, um, this doesn't happen by accident. Over the years, you've had a lot of uh, people helping you. But wait, I want to hold that thought for a minute. Now, you also won in the 100 car, which is uh, Anthony Montepart. How, how did that deal come to be? Well, um, I'm trying to think how did that come. Um, friends with Charlie Trice, um, just... John Kinsey raced at Dog Hollow. Anyway, he was in a bad accident coming home from Dog Hollow one night, and um, that was that was that was it for his his racing because uh, the guy that hit him crossed the road, and the guy that hit him actually got killed. And then his wife and and John they were in bad shape for a long time, so that really put them back. And John, nothing happened to the car; it was chained down good. So Charlie bought the car off of John Kinsey. And then, I don't know how that worked out. It, 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 it just, it, we, Charlie was old school, and he always liked Moon Eye stuff. I could sneak Moon Eye stickers on your automobile. Yeah. To drive, you know, and then, it, so I just figured, I could get something with Moon Eyes on. So I just figured, he liked Lady Luck, so we put the, the number one with Lady Luck in the number one, and then the Moon Eyes. That's how we come up with that. But, but the car Anthony's, driving now it's just a look-alike yeah uh, charlie sold that car to a guy in ohio can't remember his name but ricky dean 
and, and Anthony are, are partners in, in, in this car that Anthony's driving now. But yeah. when, they, when they first built that car, they just used old body panels that we had laying around from, from Charlie's car. That's how, and then he just, he just ran with it after that. Now, uh, and we're going to talk about him. He's your crew chief. And uh, many, many years ago, you told me how he got that nickname. But I'd like you to share it with the listeners. Oh. Yeah. You want the clean version? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, now, there was just a lot of Johns at the time. Uh, the guy that did my motors, his name was John Gilmore. That's where he actually housed the modifieds, or the modified when I had it. So we'd go down there and work. And, and Rob Kosecki's brother's name was John. And then John McConnell we call Festus, there's another John. So we, we called Festus Festus uh, and Toll Toll because he was always working on the cars. There's a, a lot of Johns there. <laughs> yeah, there was at one time. Yeah. You know, at, at the pits. John, now, hey, John, I want to look around. So we, we straighten that out a little bit. Well, now, in addition to Toll, uh, with your current car, is there uh, any other pit crew members? Well, Anthony, when he can, he helps out, and and Toll's other son, Luke, when when he's not working, he he, he travels a lot when he works. He, he shows up too, and now Toll's Toll's girlfriend, she helps out too, Chris, Christina Marie. Yeah, she you met com- her, I believe. She yeah, she comes from a racing family. That's correct. Yeah, uh, it's actually. The late Floyd Klein's daughter. Yeah, nice lady. I I asked her, you know, when I found out she was dating uh, Tool, I asked her if she was crazy, and she just smiled. And I think he agreed. <laughs> he agreed with me because <laughs> what a character! Oh, geez, some of the stories that we can't tell people would be awesome. Uh, how, how about the sponsors? Uh, Sixty Six Auto Supply's been with you a long time. Hey, we'll back up to this, Christina. She, she's been around racing for a long time, and, and she's—I'm telling you—she's good to have her in the pits. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? She does—you know—she can do air pressure. She does the mud plugs. You know, a lot of people can't even get the Zeusies on the mud plugs. I mean, she's good throwing tires in the rack, carrying tools back to the toolbox. Well, so that's... Don't, don't mess with her, Don. She can handle the toolboxes pretty well. I wouldn't mess with her because she could probably <laughs> knock me flat on my butt. <laughs> okay, now let's talk about your sponsors. Well, 66 Auto Supply has been with me forever and ever. Um, and, of course, my wife, Marcy. Uh, Terry from 66 and my wife, Marcy, were with me every feature race that I won. They might not have been there, but they were a supporter from the beginning to even present. And even, they're sticking with me even through this, what do you call that, thick and thin or whatever. Yeah. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember you telling me one time that Marcy was working extra jobs just so you'd have money to go racing. Yeah, she she got a second job. She worked with Vin Furniture. And that's probably the reasons well, that was the reason that she wasn't at the races when I did win because she was usually about stuck working weekends 
holidays and all them, you know, holiday weekends. Yeah, she got stuck. I I think instead of calling you Super Joe, they should call you Lucky Joe. I mean, you got a yeah. You know, I was pretty fortunate on that because there's some some people you know that they're not even allowed to race. Well, you have a beautiful wife that likes racing and will work a second job, so you have money to put in a race car. I don't think it gets any better than that. Well, that's why I had Mama's buckle in the back of the car there for a long time. Yeah. So we had a, you know, but I, can't, I can't thank her enough for doing that. Fans, we're talking to Joe Kelly, uh, Hall of Fame driver, multiple-time track champion. Uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk some more about Joe after these messages. No one covers motorsports like Rapid on Racing. For nearly 40 years, Rapid on Racing has provided the best in motorsports information with knowledgeable and veteran reporters who cover all forms of racing. Weekly reports include local dirt and asphalt racing from Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, plus the All-Stars, IndyCar, IHRA, Lucas Oil Late Models, NASCAR, NHRA, Rush, USAC, and the World of Outlaws. Listeners get the latest breaking motorsports news. The show features special guests, local track reports, driver interviews, and listeners' emails. The host of Rapid on Racing is Don Gamble, a former driver and track promoter. Don brings a wealth of racing knowledge to the program every week. Quite frankly, there's no other program like it on the air today. Rapid on Racing. Why not be a part of the weekly action? All right, fans, we're back, and we're talking to Joe Kelly. Joe, we didn't touch on it yet, but uh, you were recently inducted into the Pittsburgh Circle Track Club Hall of Fame. When was that, and how do you feel? Well, that was, oh, wow, that, that wasn't this past winter. It was uh, it would have been the winter of a year ago, a year and a half ago. Right. Yeah, I was called off guard since I was still active in racing and, and so forth, but my victory lane visits visits are uh, far and in between, so I was fortunate enough to you know to, to, to get that while I was still racing, and I really that's one of the words I, I really appreciate. Well, Dave Oliveri and I we've talked about it many many times, and he was one of the ones that helped imp- implement that. Same situation when Brian Schwartzlander went in, uh, people would always say, "Well, to go in the Hall of Fame, people have to be dead." Well, why is that? I mean, it's not going to change their accomplishments and the fact that Brian and yourself were able to enjoy this special honor while you're still alive. I think it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, for me, the, the way the way I look at it, being myself, maybe I'm, um, I don't know, thinking of myself in this particular situation. But I, I really, really enjoyed that. And, you know, for all the years that I gave for race and, and all the money I spent, you know, I, I really, that was one night, you know, that I really, really enjoyed. And I, I can't thank them enough. want to talk about your current car. And, and you say you're not getting a victory lane as often as you'd like to. There's very few people in your division that are going to accomplish 174 wins and 15 track championships. So let's not sell Joe Kelly short. A little bit about the car. Uh, 
how old is the car and who does your engines? Okay, well, it's a Snyder, Chris Snyder car, an SS chassis. Um, it was new in 2015, and they had some updates since. Always on the phone with Chris, so I'm probably driving him nuts because I think he he's trying to help me, but maybe I'm, I'm my worst enemy sometimes. But these cars are so much different than what they were years ago. I mean, everything seems backwards. Like, you used to have a, a tie-down shock on the left rear. Well, now... Now you don't want that. You know, you want to tie down on the right front. It just, you know, soft spring that, that, that falls on the on the right front. And, and it's just, it's really different. And it feels different in the car also. It feels yeah. like you're falling out of seat sometimes. Yeah. How, how about your motors? Who does your motors? Well, this the motor center is out of the 100 car from, from Charlie Trice. But the, the, the person who built that was Jimmy Vanuick. Yeah, uh, and um, off of thirty, I, I can't, I can't think what that's called out there. North for sales. Yeah, uh, yeah. Evanuik's been there, it. been there for many years. Uh, Evanuik Performance builds a lot of good motors. Yes, he does. Yes, he does, and he's very particular and on how he assembles a motor. More of a Ford guy than anything, but you know, the, the Charlies always went to him. They, they were friends from way back. Charlie did some welding on. On his drag car, he, he races some type of uh, stock Ford, whatever automatic. I'm not up on that. Yeah, but he has a class that he races that car in. Okay, now we we talked before about keeping this the clean version. From time to time, there will be a race party, I guess, at your house, where you have a real collection of characters there. What are these functions called? <laughs> at my house, like during this pandemic, yeah. What are they called? Um, it's just a gathering. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, just we haven't had one for a while. Maybe that's maybe we need. That's what we need to do. Well, your crew chief was usually playing the air guitar and singing. Uh, do you? Oh, have... no, it's not air. It's cardboard. I cut it out of cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> it has a weed whacker string on it. <laughs> Do you have any other uh, celebrities there at these functions? No, no. We're trying to get Elvis to come, but, but uh, maybe talk to Freddie Bracci for that. Maybe, maybe get Elvis here. But no, just just Johnny Cash. That's about it. Yeah, you know, Joe. I really enjoy talking to you. I love watching you race. I probably saw 100 of those 174 wins because I can't be at two places at the same time. But what a career. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. Any closing thoughts, anything that we missed that you want to tell people? Well, I just, you know, I like to thank all my sponsors I had over the years. I had so many of them. You know, even if it was a tire sponsor or even a jug of fuel or, or anything, even a competitor lending me lending me a wrench or something I needed for the night. That all that all sums up to what this is all about. You know, just one one big happy family. Sometimes we butt heads, but you'll have this. But when all the smoke clears, we're still one big family. Racing people are the greatest people in the world. I want to thank. Go ahead. 
I was just going to say, aren't they, Don? Yes. I want to thank you for being with us. I like the nickname, Super Joe Kelly. You have a nice evening, and hopefully we'll see you up at Lernerville. Well, Don, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and thank you again for having me on your show. Okay. This portion of Rappin' on Racing is brought to you by the Jennerstown Speedway Complex, jennerstown.org. Number one Cochrane Automotive began as a small Pontiac dealership in 1965 and quickly became the number one name in Western Pennsylvania automotive sales and service. Today, number one Cochrane Automotive ranks among the top private dealer groups in the nation with 22 new car dealerships with locations in Allegheny Valley, Butler County, Greensburg, Monroeville, North Hills, Robinson, the South Hills, Irwin, and Zelenopole. Number One Cochrane can serve the transportation needs of Western Pennsylvania customers unlike any other retailer. The acquisition of Chevrolet, Toyota, and Nissan boosts Number One Cochrane's new vehicle operations to 22 dealerships, representing a great selection of domestic and imported brands. Their mission? Treat customers like honored guests while delivering unparalleled value and selection. That was the goal of founder Bob Cochran when he opened the doors more than 50 years ago. And it's still their goal today. For additional information on Number One Cochran sales and service, go to Cochran.com. Sprint cars are coming to the Jennerstown Speedway Complex. Saturday, September 12th, the winged 410 Sprint cars attack the half-mile asphalt oval with blistering speeds as the third annual visit of the nationally televised Must-See Sprint Car Series brings open-wheel racing to the Laurel Highlands. You've seen them on MAV-TV. Now see them in person at the Jennerstown Speedway, along with feature races for the weekly five divisions of stock cars, including late models and modifieds. That's Saturday, September 12th, the Midwest's fastest sprint cars on the pavement at Jennerstown Speedway. Advanced tickets are on sale now at www.jennerstown.org. Kids 12 and under are free. Sprint cars on the asphalt, Saturday, September 12th at Jennerstown Speedway Complex and weekly five division stock car racing continues every Saturday night through September 19th. Racers, race fans, or campers, are you looking for power on demand and excellent service? Then see our friends at Alternative Power Sources. Alternative Power Sources offers a complete line of generators and the ability to provide turnkey projects from sales and rentals to service, maintenance, and installation. Alternative Power Sources Incorporated, located in western Pennsylvania, has proudly served homeowners and businesses in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia since 1995. Alternative Power Sources is dedicated to providing reliable generator solutions. Their brands include Blue Star, Noller, Asco, Yamaha, PowerTech, and Southeast Power Products. The sales force at Alternative Power Sources has over 60 years' experience in the generator field, providing you with the best resources to design the generator package that meets your needs and specifications and to supply the -the top-of-the-line specified products. If power on demand and excellent service are important to you, then call Alternative Power Sources at 1-800-894-4455. And now back to Don Gamble and more Rapping on Racing. All right, race fans, there's a sprint car that drives around the western Pennsylvania area with the number 76. 
over the years that car design has changed but nonetheless the driver is synonymous with that number and that guy is Davey Jones and I'm joined here with him now Davey welcome to Wrapping on Racing hey thanks thanks for having me so I mean it's been a it's been a while you know you've been racing for a long time and um, I believe you actually said 1975 was your first year of racing uh, talk to me about the beginning stages of your career how different was everything compared to now um you, you know talking to you prior to you know this interview you're a talker and you're really good at it and i'm not going to waste too much time asking questions um you, just go ahead and talk to me a little bit about your career it's it's been a long one you have a tons of stories and i think the listeners would love to hear it well in 1975 my dad and i bought uh open trailer with uh, um a Trevis car on it and it was uh, Mickey Bannis that built the car with Ronnie Trevis and we got off a guy named Guy Coughlin up in the Bergenstown area and it was 5C and my dad took a white paintbrush and just connected the dot there and went okay you're number 50 for the first year so we we were down at the speedway just a couple speedways a couple times in 1975 um, and 1976 was a bicentennial year, and my dad said, hey, this, this is, we're doing things different. We're going to paint this thing with some stars in blue and make it 76 bicentennial, and this is going to be your number. Well, uh, we did that. Things were a lot of fun back then. There was a lot of drivers. Um, they were mostly older than me. I was uh, like 18 when I first started. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a 327 motor, only had one motor. And you didn't have hardly any spare parts like they do now. Uh, the progression of cars have really, um, I don't want to use the word got out of hand, but it's really expensive. The motor program or the upkeep with the tires and everything, we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. But when we first started, it was like you were just the neighborhood kid and then you had a sprint car and you went to the track and every week you'd learn something new. Guys would come over and say, hey, Dave, you need to do this or your radius rods are bound up. So uh, between guys like Kenny Snyder was a mechanic, um, guys that I really, really owe a lot of my career to is Ed Lynch Sr. Totally helped me. Jack Soderman Sr. Totally helped me. Those guys... They were like a dad to me. They would teach me things, tell me where to go at the racetrack, tell me how to race, um, and just I just love them guys. And um, I'm now I'm racing with their kids, so um, I I've really I get to say that I've raced with some three generations of drivers and families, which like the Mattises and the Lynches, and I'm sure there's more out there than I'm missing. But I appreciate all that this stuff that these people have helped me through the years and. It's been like a family sport to a lot of people. And a lot of people really have taught me a lot and, and gave me a lot of help. So I don't want to leave anybody out. I'm sorry if I did. Um, let's go back to how the progression started. It's just so different now that um, the cars are different. These younger drivers, they're, they're good. They're on the spot um they've they've studied a little bit with these chassis and they get these mechanics that help them and watch these cars my struggle right now is the uh, last couple years i've been falling behind i kind of want to stay in cahoots and be good with my younger guys and 
Uh, I don't want to be in the way, and I want to continue to learn because we have a newer car. We have a 2018 Maxim, and we have a 2017 GF1 that we're campaigning with this year, and we have some motors. And um, um, it's just a learning curve. Things have changed. Uh, The tires are different. The shocks are different. Um, Yep, the car's still basically a four-bar torsion bar car with a wing on it. But um, even some of the design of the wings are changed. And um, it's really nice that I'm still being able to go around the racetrack and have fun with these guys. But I really think that these front runners, the hard work, the money they're spending, and the motor programs that they have, uh, my hat's off to them because it's not easy. And... uh, for them to be doing the speeds and the way they're racing around the racetracks. So we talked about, early on, we talked about fun. Um, When you and I were having a conversation, you said it's just been fun. Um, uh, Being around the sport for so long, I'm sure you have a ton of stories. And as we were talking a little bit earlier, you know, it's pretty evident. So you told me actually that you were like one of the first people to build a two-seater sprint car. Tell me about that sprint car. You said it was around the mid-2000s or so that you built it. Tell me some details about that thing. Um, The last year that Al Dean raced, uh, he had a car that was an old J&J that was off of Ed Lynch Sr. And I got to drive that year. That was Al Dean's 50th year of racing. And I had the honor to drive that car like eight races. And Al lived right down the street out of my neighborhood. So it was fun. We'd go down in the evenings. He'd always bust my ass. He'd go, hey, how come you can't do this like Lynch and do this like Lynch? I said, hey, buy one of Lynch's motors and put those brand new tires on there that Lynch did. And then we'd see. So we'd laugh about stuff like that. But that car is what I turned into my two-seater because it was pretty old and busted up and stuff and I had to extend it and I built um, a really badass two-seater and we gave 38 rides when I built mine um, there was only five cars in the world let me see if I get this right Jimmy Seals Kenny Strader the Blaney's had one I had one and somebody in Australia had one I forget their there and they were all inline cars like a regular inline not the two seats that were wide and um, it was it was a blast, and we had insurance on it, and we'd go to the racetrack early and give rides to people. And most of the time, I gave uh, guys, uh, you know, the race car drivers, they'd bring their wives, and then they'd pay a hundred bucks to put their wife in there for three laps. I remember one time at Wayne County Speedway, this dude come over. Right, I got his wife all strapped in there, and I'm in the car. We're ready to get pushed off at Wayne County, and he comes over to me. He goes, "Davy, here's five bucks. Hit the wall really hard coming off a of turn four. His wife." flipped out and I had to jump up out of the car push her back in her seat and I said nobody's hitting a wall let alone for five bucks so it was funny it's been some comical times like that that we've had not always comical but yeah that was pretty cool so your career numbers are pretty astounding as far as numbers and stuff. The number of races that you've raced. Let's talk about the the good times, the the, the positives, the wins. Um, I understand you won a track championship at Hickory once, um, and you have a couple feature wins you'd like to talk about as well. Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough that I won a track championship at Hickory Motor Speedway, actually against Johnny Bieber. We went head to head all year down there in the four tens, and that was that was 
that was cool. I won a feature down there that year in the four tens. I won a three sixty feature down there against Jimmy Hawley. I started last. He started on the pole, so that was pretty incredible for me to catch him and pass him and beat him at his own hometown track there because he was like the water truck driver there, not let alone owning the track. But uh, I've won 28 heat races in my career. My most memorable race of my life is I won a World Outlaw B-Main at Lernerville Speedway. And I remember Danny Lasoski, Brian Paulus, Randy Hannigan, all these really good guys were in the front rows. And Ed Lynch Jr. started uh, 12th on the outside. Uh, he was 12th and I was 11th. And um, in 12 laps, I came up and I won it. And uh, I remember coming into the pits and Carl Kinzer was standing there with a whole bunch of people around there. And he looked at me and he said, do you mind telling me what torsion bars are in this car? And I said, yeah, I'll tell you. And I told him and he said, man, that sounds like Irish stew. But I never lied to him. It was they were all oddball. It was a reverse tube car. But um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Fans, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking to the Baden Bandit, Davey Jones, driver of the number 76 Sprint car. This interview is actually going a little long, so we're going to cut to a commercial break. When we return, we'll finish up with the interview. This portion of Rappin' On Racing was brought to you by the Jennerstown Speedway Complex, jennerstown.org. Toma's Meat Market is a full-service, old-fashioned butcher shop and meat market. Their stores nestled in the farmlands of western Pennsylvania, where they've been for over 50 years. They hand-select cattle and hogs purchased from local farmers. At Toma's, they can help you prepare for anything from your own family's dinner to a special graduation party, a company picnic, an anniversary celebration, a wedding reception, or a whole host of other things. They can prepare entrees and have them ready for pickup or delivery in foil chafer pans. Just heat them and eat them. Please call or stop by to find out about putting a package of these ideas together for your special event. The taste and the service are out of this world. Toma's Meat Market, located at 748 Dinnerbell Road in Saxonburg, PA. For additional information, please give them a call at 724-352-2020. That's 724-352-2020. The Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway schedule is jam-packed again for the 2020 season. Every Saturday night through October, you can enjoy five big divisions of racing action and so much more. Each action event features the Deal Automotive Rush Dirt Late Models, the PPMS Pro Socks, the Keystone Coachworks Hobby Socks, the Four Cylinders, and the Young Guns. Add to that special appearances by the Rush Sportsman Modifieds, the Rush Wingless Sprints, the Buckeye Outlaw Sprint Series, and the 410 Wing Sprints. The 2020 season wraps up on October 2nd and 3rd with the 32nd Annual Pittsburgher 100 featuring the stars and cars of the Lucas Oil Late Model Series. Gates open every Saturday at 5 p.m. with hot laps at 6 and green flag racing at 7. General admission, just $15 for adults. Keep up to date with everything happening at Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway by following us on Twitter, at PA Motor Speedway. On Facebook, it's Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. And as always, find all the information about PPMS at ppms.com. And now back to Don Gamble and more Rapping on Racing. Listeners, welcome back from commercial break. I'm Tyler Harris, and here is the rest of the interview with the Baden Bandit, Davy Jones. 
So most of your career has been spent in a sprint car, pretty much all of it, actually. You may have raced once or twice in a, in a modified, took some hot laps on a late model. But you also have, in addition to your uh, other sprint cars at the shop, a full-blown USAC sprint car. Tell me about racing that, uh, a little bit more details on that, Rod. Yeah, we have um, an 86 Stealth. It's a full-blown USAC uh, midget. And uh, Bob Walters and I, Bob Walters by the way is an amazing guy I owe so much of my career to Bob he's been with me for 30 years he does all my motors Um, he has money in my cars for years and we just throw money at this stuff and we never keep track or anything like that but he's a great guy great mechanic taught me a lot and he's a dear close friend. Uh, we ran the Chili Bowl three times with our midget three years in a row. My last year, my first year was better than my last year. I, my last year I got pretty busted up and um, I got knocked silly, uh, broke some ribs, broke a collarbone, a couple fingers. But um, it, it's everybody should go out there once and just see what it's like. That's like I went to Knoxville twice. One time I helped... Uh, Bobby Allen, and one time I was lucky enough, the first year I uh, Ed Lynch Jr. ever won the Knoxville Nationals, I went out there to help him and his crew and just be part of it, you know, and get to see how things were really done, and um, it was, that was really nice, and that was really great being around him that, you know, he made it into the A-Main that year for the first time. So, um, back to the midget. The midget was fun. It's a different type of racing. I always tease my buddy Bob. I go, you throw me to the damn wolves because I run this car with a wing all the time. And all of a sudden you get in this wee little things the size of a lawnmower that you got to throw sideways halfway down the back straightaway. So, it's a blast. We're going to try it again. Uh, we're probably going to try to update some of our stuff and maybe go at it somewhere that isn't so tough as a chili bowl, which I have no idea where that would be. But um, that's our story on and the midget stuff. Well, you told me two interesting stories about the Chili Bowl. One, after when you did wreck, um, you jumped back in the car two nights after you you, you broke your, your ribs and your collarbone and broke a couple fingers, and you jumped back in the car. So hats off to you for that, because that track is not forgiving. That that race is not forgiving. So to do that on, on a beat-up body is pretty impressive. But the other one <laughs> involves a, a farm trailer. I'm just going to let you tell that one, because it's priceless. Well, the first time we went to the Chili Bowl, we were scurrying. Uh, my friend Walt Tutak had a midget that sat in his trailer for like eight years. And he'd always say, Dave, take my midget and go to the Chili Bowl. So finally one year I looked at Bobby and I go, what do you think? He goes, ah, whatever. So two weeks before the Chili Bowl, we decided to go up and grab this midget that was in pieces that we started to put together and everybody had to do their part. We put a car together, put a motor together, and we borrowed one of my buddy's dad's farm trailers. We show up at at the Chili Bowl the next morning. We're late, and we're trying to figure out where we're going to get to pull in. And the guy said, you mean you're not in yet? I go, no, we're not in, but we're signed in. So they get us inside. We pull right up next to this great, big, beautiful trailer. These guys are from Mexico, uh, two brothers, really nice guys we met, you know. But we open up the back door, and there it is. Shit rolls out with with everything and the one owner of the the big team he walks over and he goes there goes the neighborhood so it was like from then on it was a blast it was a lot of fun uh there's a lot of good people there it was exciting to see that all week long it was like eight days of racing 
So as we transition now to, to where we're at now in racing, um, uh, how much of what you've had in the past, you know, throughout the years and in the early part of your career to how much everything has changed over now to the modern technology, how much have you implemented from, from all the different generations into what you do now? Uh, that's a good question because we're really struggling with chassis setup right now. It seems like we've really been missing it. And I know I got to charge the corners harder because that has a lot to do with preloading the car done in there. But I just don't feel that the car's been under me this year. Like we're missing something, something's tweaked. Um, I know it's pretty much been a crazy year for everybody, and we've been holding on to this one car, trying to get it to work. But we're, I think we're ready to bring our max amount the last maybe month of the racing and um, maybe park this one, and hopefully we'll have better luck. So you said a lot of this stuff, too. You're kind of learning off the Dietrichs a little bit, actually. Billy and Danny Dietrich, getting a little bit of time to talk with them and stuff. Um, how, how have they helped your racing program? Well, Billy Dietrich's a really good friend of mine, and they have a race shop out there. And uh, I used to race with his dad, Danny. And then there's Danny, you know, Jr., or, you know, the young one that races. He races All-Stars, Outlaws, and all that. And uh, they, those guys run, run that shop. They hear all kind of stuff and input from everybody racing. And they're a family of racers, and they race every weekend themselves. So they have so much knowledge, and they're so helpful. And uh, I'll call them, and I'll get stuck, and they'll tell me new things to try every week. And um, it, it's just a lot of basic stuff that you got to stick with. And it's like you get home, and you go, oh. Why didn't I do that? I forgot about changing that. I should have just went with that. So you got to watch because you can screw yourself right out of the ballpark. Everybody's so competitive. It's like in the past 20 years, this group of cars is so much stronger and so much competitive because of, competitive because of the knowledge everybody has from the Internet and each other. So currently now, as we stand, you know, you've been racing for a long time. You know, you've raced with several generations of drivers, but you kind of mentioned to me, you know, about hanging it up sometime. Uh, you said something about a two-year plan. Oh, man, you could go down and talk to Mattis. He'll, he'll laugh because he always says, Dave, you've had a two-year plan for the past 25 years. And I said, you guys weren't paying attention. I wanted two years that were good back-to-back. So that's uh, I'm just hoping I'm still having fun. I hope I'm not in anybody's way. If we need to help anybody or anybody needs to help us, it it's always comes around and goes around. So I'm just going to hang in there for a little while. And thanks for all the great fans and all the support that we have from racing. And like I said, we're very fortunate to have this amount of dirt track racing so close every weekend. And uh, I'm, I'm just still thrilled. And it's great people. And, hey, it's really nice to get to know you. Like you said, you've been coming around for years. And I, I saw you and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, now I, now I got your name with you and got to meet you. So that's all part of it, too. Well, last but certainly not least, let's talk about people you'd like to thank and possibly some sponsors as well. Well, we really don't have sponsors. Through the years, we've had some people that stuck by us and helped us. But like I say, Bobby Walters has always been a a big one. Uh, uh, Kaminsky's Auto Body, uh, Rick Kaminsky there, he's a big race fan in the area. He actually used to drive one of my cars. We used to rent cars out years ago before anybody else did. But... um, I would say there's a lot of people uh, to thank. Uh, and like I said, Ed Lynch Sr., Jack, uh, Jack Soderman Sr., there's a lot of these older guys that are still coming around to racetrack that I see. And I really, 
want to say thanks. And, and the younger guys, too, I mean, they're, they're probably, you know, I probably don't talk to them as much and stuff and that. But, I mean, everybody's helpful. And everybody will help you. It's a community, you know. Yeah, it, it's a yeah. it's a big community, and and every, no no one really is out to hurt each other. They're typically out to help, and yeah. um, I'm sure you're one of the guys too. The guys can always come to to talk. Well, there's a there's another guy I'd like to thank. I was just thinking of it, and it's Don Kerger. Everybody teases him that he probably should have his own shop making shocks or something like that because a man is so detailed and knows so has so much knowledge and he's a great guy and him and Danny father and son racing team they're good people uh, they're they don't live far from me but it's stuff like that when I, I show up and I get to pit by him or something like that it makes the evening better so well Davey they're getting ready to push off for hot laps I really appreciate your time thank you so much and uh, again welcome back to wrapping on racing hey man thanks it's been great it's been fun Hello to all you fans out there, and thanks for all the support. See you soon. Toma's Meat Market is a full-service, old-fashioned butcher shop and meat market. Their stores nestled in the farmlands of western Pennsylvania, where they've been for over 50 years. They hand-select cattle and hogs purchased from local farmers. At Toma's, they can help you prepare for anything from your own family's dinner to a special graduation party a company picnic, an anniversary celebration, a wedding reception, or a whole host of other things. They can prepare entrees and have them ready for pickup or delivery in foil chafer pans. Just heat them and eat them. Please call or stop by to find out about putting a package of these ideas together for your special event. The taste and the service are out of this world. Toma's Meat Market, located at 748 Dinnerbell Road in Saxonburg, PA. For additional information, please give them a call at 724-352-2020. That's 724-352-2020. Sprint cars are coming to the Jennerstown Speedway Complex. Saturday, September 12th, the winged 410 Sprint cars attack the half-mile asphalt oval with blistering speeds as the third annual visit of the nationally televised must-see sprint car series brings open-wheel racing to the Laurel Highlands. You've seen them on MAV-TV. Now see them in person at the Jennerstown Speedway, along with feature races for the weekly five divisions of stock cars, including late models and modifieds. That's Saturday, September 12th, the Midwest's fastest sprint cars on the pavement at Jennerstown Speedway. Advanced tickets are on sale now at www.jennerstown.org. Kids 12 and under are free. Sprint cars on the asphalt, Saturday, September 12th at Jennerstown Speedway Complex and weekly five division stock car racing continues every Saturday night through September 19th. Racers, race fans, or campers, are you looking for power on demand and excellent service? Then see our friends at Alternative Power Sources. Alternative Power Sources offers a complete line of generators and the ability to provide turnkey projects from sales and rentals to service, maintenance, and installation. Alternative Power Sources Incorporated, located in western Pennsylvania, has proudly served homeowners and businesses in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia since 1995. Alternative Power Sources is dedicated to providing reliable generator solutions. Their brands include Blue Star, Noller, Asco, Yamaha, PowerTech, and Southeast Power Products. 
The sales force at Alternative Power Sources has over 60 years' experience in the generator field, providing you with the best resources to design the generator package that meets your needs and specifications and to supply the top-of-the-line specified products. If power on demand and excellent service are important to you, then call Alternative Power Sources at 1-800-894-4455. This is Holly Bayless standing with the winner of the Bedford Fair 55-lap special for the super late models, the driver from Chalk Hill, Pennsylvania, Mason Ziegler. Mason, congratulations on the big win here tonight up at Bedford. Thank you. I appreciate it. We uh, guys gave me a good car, good Good piece, and um, you know it was it was pretty easy from the seat. I just had to keep from screwing up. Now Bedford's almost uh, come a home track for you, as you're from Chalk Hill. But second year in a row, you've taken a big chunk of money back to Chalk Hill from Bedford. Yeah, we've always had seen. No matter what, every time we come back, it seems like our programs changed a little bit. Car, you know, uh, setups changed a little bit. I'm just trying to always evolve and get better. Um, and it seems like we're always up front. So I got my hats off to my guys and. Everyone that's on this thing, uh, they give me a freaking awesome hot rod every time we come here. And, uh, you know, he, even last year, that second, I think it was 15000 to win, we were uh, leading and threw a drive shaft out. So I just, uh, we were good then, too. I really think we should have won the last uh, three now big shows coming out of here. And just, you know, it's like burn house all night, having bad luck. It's just, uh, usually it's us. But I'll take it anyway. I feel horrible for them guys. They had a good car and, uh I could see they were having some issues there at the end when I was running them down. And they said he didn't have a tire blowout, but it sure looked like it to me. Um, I don't know if he broke a shock or or, or maybe like had a band in the tire come apart or, or a chunk of the tire come apart. I have no idea. Um, but it looked like something definitely was goofed up because on that restart, it just didn't, he didn't even go. Um, it just seemed like it was just on top of the racetrack and just sort of stopped. And it was in pretty cleaned up and, and sort of rubbered up through three and four, but nothing like it was in one and two. Three and four, you could still, when I had to, I got up on the cushion and three and four was able to reel in that spawn ogle, but never was able to, there was a lap car in front of him. We never could uh, clear that lap car. He was sort of holding us up there, but uh, yeah, car was great. Um, I feel horrible for them guys. Uh, it's a shitty deal, you know, um, but we've all been there. It's part of it. And uh, I'm just happy we were able to be in the right place to capitalize. Now, Mason, you started out the year running with the Lucas Series down in Florida. You picked up a big win in Florida on a short track. Um, summer, you kind of regrouped a little bit and didn't follow the Lucas Series when it restarted after the COVID. And um, here tonight, you went on one of the biggest tracks you race on and started here winning on one of the smallest tracks you race on. What is it about your driving style that you're just able to adapt to whatever the track is? Honestly, like I said this earlier, it's just surrounding myself with people that are smarter than myself and giving me a good piece. You know, like last week that Larson came into our world and, and won and, and everyone was, you know, bad-mouthing him, saying there's no way he's going to be good in the late model. And uh, At the end of the day, he's a heck of a race car driver. He's probably the best in the world right now. I truly believe he's probably one of the best in the world and uh, should be racing against the best in the world. Um, but, uh, you put it, you know, everyone, like I said, everyone was saying that they thought he was going to struggle. And the second I found out who he was driving for, Rumley, and Rumley was working on this thing, and it was his personal car, I knew that he was going to be a handful. And, um, you know, and what I'm getting at is uh, if you can get in a good piece and you're a good racer, you can win anywhere. And uh, I just think uh, we had a really good car tonight. And, um, like I said, I, I um, just hope that we can keep her up front and 
and uh, keep the wheels on it. A lot of people been wondering. You made the assault one a couple years ago on the Lucas um, tour, and you came up with the rookie of the year, and uh, been flirting with um, running on a series. A lot of people might not be aware you've actually um, made history. You were one of the, I think you were the first driver ever to win your first two career starts on the Hell Tour, and um, won with the World of Outlaws last year at Port Royal. Couple Lucas wins. What does the future hold for Mason Ziegler and this team? You know, to be totally honest, um, we could be a lot better than we are. Um, at the end of the day, my head's not always 100% in it like it should be, and my crew will tell you that. Uh, they're 100% in, and uh, but at the end of the day, I have a beautiful little girl at home that's a year and a half. Brian, my crew chief, is having another one right now. He already has a three-year-old at home, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm not willing to sacrifice, you know, getting to watch my little girl grow up and live at the shop and live out of the rig. It's just not something that I uh, value enough to ever uh, miss that time. So, um, you know, I, I think that if I can put more effort towards it, we can even be a lot better. Uh, you know, I've talked to a bunch of guys about it, but at the end of the day, I told Brian and them, I, I just want to have fun. I want to win races. I don't do this for a living. Um, I work every every day through the week, and I'm so fortunate to have good equipment and good guys and a good car and if we can go out and win these Lucas and Outlaw races and stuff, it's great. But at the end of the day, we just want to have fun and uh, enjoy ourselves. And, and like I said, I don't want to live in this truck and run down the road every day. And I want to uh, grow up and um, get to see my little girl, you know, do everything she's going to do. So um, and that's not to say as she gets a little older, we're going to snatch her little butt up and throw her in the truck and take her with us. Now, we'll probably be back on the Lucas store eventually and stuff. It's just... You know, with Brian having a little one right now, me having a little one, uh, maybe not next year, but the following, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we're back at her. And I think that'll give us an opportunity to, to opportunity right now uh, to really hone in on everything we need to do to make us as the best we can be. Because I'm not going to be out on the road. I'm going to be at home with a tape measure at the shop uh, a lot more, giving us more opportunity to just fine-tune this thing and get better and better and better. Because, uh, you know, i got the best best equipment in the world you know i got rocket cars cornet motors i got mark smith uh, and i got you know i got another guy on this crew now that's uh offered some help around crooks that i'm really excited about and um i just think that uh if i can keep my head on straight we'll be all right now you've won before i forgot also you went on the ufo series is this your first win with the ulms series I actually don't know if it is or not. Um, I couldn't tell you, to be honest. I think we've won a ULMS race, but then again, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> You've had some rides through the years, but and you had success when you were driving the Klein-Denz car, but probably 90% of your wins have come in the uh, the family-owned car. Would you be open in the, in the future to jump in somebody else's car, or you just want to keep it the family deal? Um, you know, I had a bunch of opportunities to drive other people's stuff, um, and I thought about it before just for the financial burden that this brings. Um, but at the end of the day, when I drove for Klein Dent, I learned a lot. Those guys brought a lot of perspective to, to me. Or they brought a lot of things to perspective that I necessarily wouldn't think of or do that were just things I can add to my you know notebook and um uh, I love driving for, for someone like Klein Dent or even like a house car or something like that. Um, but at the end of the day, I, like I said, I don't want to have to go race at Gaffney on a Thursday night for five grand when I can go to Port Royal 
an hour down the road or a couple hours down the road for five grand and be home you know so um it's nice to be able to just pick and choose in my own stuff and um you know at the end of the day if i don't want to go racing on saturday because i don't feel good i don't have to and um my crew you know i think that we would all agree that um this is a really good situation we're in and um we're just really really fortunate i got a, I got the best crew in the pits and uh i let them down a lot but uh Hopefully here in the later part of the season here I can make up for it a little bit. You talked about the crew, but let's talk about the sponsors that make that 25Z go around for the uh, Chalk Hill Kamikaze. Yeah, JLE Industries is, is the only reason we're here and the only reason we're able to do this. Um, they're such a huge part of everything we do. Um, they're a local uh, family-owned trucking company. Um, they've just exploded in the last couple of years. They're over 600 trucks. Uh, guys are home every weekend. Uh, flatbed company. If you're in the trucking business, check them out. They're um, they're truly um, um, rewriting the trucking business. They are taking uh, technology um, to the to the drawing board, and they're really fine tuning it and and making it a lot more pleasurable for drivers and families. And uh, I'm just super happy to be flying their flag because uh, I couldn't. There's not a better company in the pits to be a part of. And uh, again, besides them. But they're my main one. I, without them, like I said, I couldn't do this. Evan at Jelly and the whole family there is incredible. Um, but uh, Ohio Power Vacation Rentals, MS Shock Therapy, um, VP Racing Fuels and Lubricants, um, everyone. Like I know I'm missing out on a bunch of guys, but everyone that's on this thing has just been a huge factor in everything uh, every time we we're able to get on the racetrack. Mason, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Race fans, this is Scott Blumquist, and you're listening to Rapid on Race It. Now we'll get back to the show. Alex Furry and the ADC Rocket. Inside a pigger to battle for second. Two laps to go for free. Now the white flag is out. Alex. Checkered flag wave. Alex free. Bad luck second. Pegger third. time this year, first time at Latrobe Speedway, your feature winner in the Admax Performance Lubricants, Butler pre-owned rocket chassis, learn to fly, speaking of flying, this car is flying around the ultra-fast half mile tonight, he's coming out of the car, let's give a round of applause for Alex Free, your feature winner! 
Alex, congratulations. Thank you, sir. Second win of the year. Second win aboard this car this year, too. You debuted this car about a month ago, and since then, two feature wins, a fifth place in a World of Outlaw feature. I say you like the color blue on this uh, XR1. Yeah, definitely. This car's been uh, really, really good for me. I, I can't complain about it all. It's, since we got out of the box, it's been fast. Uh, can't say enough about my Lord and Savior. I know I don't do what I should half the time, but hey, Hayden. Hold on. But uh, I try, and without him, I wouldn't be here at all. And without my family, my wife, my kids, Hayden, Theo's probably sleeping, I hope. If not, he's going to be a grouchy bear tomorrow. But uh, I said my wife, my mom, dad, my whole crew, Mike, Frank, Earl, Todd, uh, old Rich isn't with us that much anymore. Uh, John, there's a bunch of guys that put their heart and soul in this thing every week, and I can't say enough about them, guys. Uh, just great night tonight. The car was amazing. Now, I remember when you debuted this car, you're, you're more of a black car. You ran an orange and white car for probably the past, I don't know, close to a decade. And then you're like, blue. Uh-huh. I'm not sure I like blue. And then your little two-year-old son goes, I like blue, Daddy. And, well, next thing I knew, the body was staying on the car, the wrap was applied, and two wins later. So I think Hayden's going to make you keep the blue for a while. I think so, too. I mean, it's, if we're out of blue M&Ms, it's a problem now, so... <laughs> We went blue, and he, uh, I love it. He loves it now. So I can't complain. I'm, I'm glad he did. Let's do it. How about this track tonight? Looked really smooth, looked very fast, and a lot of bite. Yes, it was. It was a perfect racetrack. I did a lot of nice work on this thing. Uh, I, I can't get my hand, hand off enough to Dan. I mean, it, this place was amazing tonight. Racy, top, bottom. It was a good track. It was a fun track, smooth. Uh, nice place to race. I'm glad they got it back. Now's a chance for you to go ahead and thank the crew and the sponsors and team that made this win possible tonight. Yeah, uh, my crew, of course, I got them guys already. Uh, Franklin Racing Supply, Butler RV, um, Learn to Fly, Admax Oil. Um, I know I'm, uh, Franklin, I said Franklin. American Diecast, Moody Sales and Service, uh, give me a quad to use all the time. I mean, there's, there's so many people, Rocket, Cornette, uh, Dockerty. I mean, there's so many people that come behind these things. And, I mean, people know. I mean, it's, it's insane what these things take anymore. Now, here to present you with this big check from Laurel Machinery, Mr. Cunningham and Gianna with your trophy. Let's give a round of applause. Your feature winner tonight in the Super Late Models. This portion of today's program was brought to you by Thomas Meat Market. And now, more Rapid on Racing with Don Gamble and Dave Oliveri. We're at Tri-City Raceway Park, and we're talking with Rex King. Rex, welcome to Rapid on Racing. Long career. A few years back, I got an opportunity, I believe it was at Sharon, to watch you win your 100th race. And now we're in 2020, and you're still competitive, and you're still winning races. What's your formula? Uh, good people. Surround myself with good people. Uh, a lot of support. My wife, my family, my kids, uh, grandkids. I think that's everything. From when you first started to where it is now, what do you see, and you've driven pretty much modified your entire career, what is the biggest change, Rex, that you see 
day in and day out? Is it the technology? Because if you don't have, and you're fortunate that you have Russell that works on the cars for you and sets it up, but if you didn't have Russell, you know, would the technology be over over your head? Oh, absolutely. The technology is over my head now. I mean, Russell has to explain it to me. Uh, it's just. You know, years ago you had a race car, you put the tires on, now it's the shocks, the springs, the whole suspension. Uh, we are fortunate to have Russell be in the business of that, and he stays tuned up on all the latest, greatest, newest stuff, and it would be tough without him being in tune with all the new technology. Do you ever think... In, in all your days of racing that shocks would be you know we always talked about motor you got to have the biggest motor or the, the uh, a different gear ratio but shocks is where it's at now and if you're if you miss that you're out of the ballpark oh yeah about six seven years ago i was griping to randy williamson with big Nell. i said when did you start building race cars around the shocks and the springs because years ago, you know, you had the car, you had the motor, you worried about the compound on the tires. Well, now we run a certain tire only, so now it's to the springs and the shocks and the suspensions. You got to smash the springs, do this, do that. But, you know, over your career, Rex, what, and this, I ask this a lot of our senior drivers, is there one moment, and a lot of the answer is there's too many to name, but is there one moment in, in these 100 wins, or it doesn't even maybe have to be 100 wins, that really over your three decades of racing, or maybe four now, uh, that's just like, boy, that one is just when I decide to hang the helmet up. I will remember this. I don't know if there is one. I don't know if anybody can pick just one out. I mean, when I first started, the guy to beat would be Lou Blaney. Well, then when you beat him, you thought, boy, you're on top of the world. Well, then your kids start coming up and racing. You beat them. Then when they beat you one night and you're falling behind them, the sense of pride watching them go around the track in front of you running the same groove you are, uh... I would say them moments. There's just too many moments in that. Well, one thing about Russell and Critter, they're not going to give you any slack. So they're not going to say, well, Pap's or Dad's behind me and think we're going to pull over and let it in. Uh, if you pass them, you earned it. That's right. And if they ever do, there's going to be one hell of a fight in the pits. I often ask this. I said, you know, who's the favorite? And that's always a tough one. I guess you'd have to go with you. But, you know, how proud of you or what your sons accomplished? Now, you've got have a stellar career, but, you know, Cooter kind of started late, and Russell Dabble, you know, started off in the Modifieds, then went to the late models, and every now and then he jumps back in, but to have two boys that have had the success that they've had following, you know, the family legacy must be very special to you. Oh, it's all special, you know, anytime, and my family is always there, the boys are always there, uh, it's really special, something not many people can say they do. So that's even more special, as you know, as I've been able to race with my boys and uh, hopefully here pretty soon be able to race with my oldest grandson. He's 10 and he's running go-karts, so hopefully in another four or five years we'll have him in a modified. How special is that? You've watched your, you know, your boys grow up and race, but now that you've watched their boys grow up and race, and will race, and obviously... The, the dad mentality goes to the grandpa mentality, and that's a lot of different mentalities. Yeah, I think the best way to sum it up is just pride. I'm just pride, proud of how they do it, how everybody's handling themselves. It's just a, a great sense of pride. 
in this crazy year of 2020, which we won't even get into, you know, you've picked up a couple wins. And I always tell drivers, you never know when that next win's going to come. It could be tonight. It could be never. And when you do that, and, and you still, like I said, is well, I don't want to say you and Davey Murdoch, the senior citizens of the uh, the Watt Tour, are out there, and your guys are still winning. Yeah, um, you never know when you're going to get your next next win. A lot of it is your preparation and how prepared you are, um, and you just never know. I mean, it's. It's a gamble every night on where you're going to finish, how the track's going to turn out. Did you make the right adjustments in the pits on the car? Um, yeah, you never know. And as long as we're still competitive, we're going to keep doing it. Well, you're still competitive and you're still having fun. So we wish you best of luck tonight here at Tri-City and the rest of the 2020 season. All right. Thank you. Sprint cars are coming to the Jennerstown Speedway Complex. Saturday, September 12th, the winged 410 Sprint cars attack the half-mile asphalt oval with blistering speeds as the third annual visit of the nationally televised must-see Sprint Car Series brings open-wheel racing to the Laurel Highlands. You've seen them on MAV TV. Now see them in person at the Jennerstown Speedway, along with feature races for the weekly five divisions of stock cars, including late models and modifieds. That's Saturday, September 12th, the Midwest's fastest sprint cars on the pavement at Jennerstown Speedway. Advanced tickets are on sale now at www.jennerstown.org. Kids 12 and under are free. Sprint cars on the asphalt, Saturday, September 12th at Town Speedway Complex and weekly five division stock car racing continues every Saturday night through September 19th. No one covers motorsports like Rapid on Racing. For nearly 40 years, Rapid on Racing has provided the best in motorsports information with knowledgeable and veteran reporters who cover all forms of racing. Weekly reports include local dirt and asphalt racing from Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, plus the All Star, Lucas Oil Late Models. NASCAR, Rush, and the World of Outlaws. Listeners get the latest breaking motorsports news. The show features special guests, local track reports, driver interviews. The host of Rapid on Racing is Don Gamble, a former driver and track promoter, Rapid on Racing. This time by, Denny Carson's going to show the field. Two laps to go. Andrew Cady's been knocking on that door in the past year and a half. Will tonight be the night for a career first? Fast track, great label win. What a run by Russell Bear Jr. All that heat on him, he's still third. Now Dillinger down low, pressure bear, white flag is out. Watch Garage. AutoZone, Mid-Yard Collision Center, Short Miller caught him, Short Miller caught Koenig, here they come off turn number four, it's a drag race, Andrew Koenig, you are now a fast track great late model winner. I'll tell you what, you had to be impressed 
by Bob Schwartz, Melody, alternate power source, 28S, making his debut, and never say die. Schwartzmeller came all the way up and got second place. <laughs> Bob Schwartzmeller, can you please come to the front stretch? There's going to be a heck of a party tonight as Andrew Koenig just earned a career first fast track crate late model win. And like I said before, the second half of last season, Andrew had one of the fastest cars week in and week out. And wasn't able to get it to victory lane. But tonight, you know, you got to be good to win, but you also have to be a little bit lucky. And I believe Andrew's car broke on the cool-off lap. So he's got to remember this as he's probably going to be towed to victory lane tonight. Bob Schwartzmiller, if you can hear me, please come up to the front stretch. We're going to grab a word while we wait for Andrew with the driver who made his debut in the Schwartzmiller Ground Maintenance Alternative Power Storage 28S. And I'm being told that Andrew broke a tie rod on, on, the, last lap. on the last lap. We're going to grab a word with the driver who finished second. Tell you what, Bob, welcome to Latrobe Speedway. And, uh, what a run by this alternative power source, 28S. Tell you what, Andrew broke, but you ran a great, consistent race and a second-place finish, nothing to be ashamed of. I'm happy coming here for the first time and uh, running second to him. I think that's his first win, so hats off to them guys. I know they worked really hard, but uh, I, I don't, I've never been here before, but I've got to tell you guys, you got a really great facility here, and... Uh, with the exception of my son racing a good bit, I'm gonna. This is gonna probably be my track that I come to. Hey, we appreciate that. You made the tow up from, I believe, Robinson area, and um, we we greatly appreciate you. And now's a chance for you to go ahead and thank all the people who make your racing possible. What a debut! I mean, I'll tell you what, you you done a majority of your racing career down at Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, but tonight to come here at another half mile but a completely different track and get second it says how good of a crew and a car you have and how good of a driver you are thank you Howie. uh this track i never drove anything with this straightaways this long so it's it's really weird getting used to but the track's really bitey um something i'm not used to at pittsburgh so it was pretty much hammered down I actually overheated there on the last lap but uh like i said hats off to andrew and uh for winning this i think it's his first feature First in the crate late, he won in the um, pure stock before yeah, he, at um, Dog Hollow. He came down to see me when I got here and, you know, told me he'd won some heat races and was still trying to get his first feature, so I'm glad I was here. I, I thought I was going to get him under because of what happened to him. He ran a perfect race, and uh, he fought that thing for the last lap. Rachel, let's give a round of applause to the driver who made the tow from Robinson, Pennsylvania, the Schwartzmiller ground maintenance number 28S. That is Bob Schwartzmiller with a second place run. Not a bad debut. Now we're going to turn our attention to getting... All right, got Matt show and is hooked on to our feature winner. He's coming out. Here he is. Andrew Kading in victory lane. Now, Andrew, when you were a kid and you were thinking about the first time you ever won a late model feature, did you ever think you'd be towed to victory lane? Was that even on the radar? 
Never in a million years. Uh, honestly, I knew something was wrong in the last two laps. I honestly thought I was getting a flat tire. Oh, sorry. I thought I was getting a flat tire. So I'm like, because we were having trouble in the heat race with the right front, Robin. So I'm like, man, that's going, going down on me. And, uh, yeah, so luckily it was just tie rod, but I don't know how I finished them last two laps. And I'll tell you what, um, you couldn't hear it because you were driving, but I was talking about how over the last half of 2019 you had one of the fastest cars. You were knocking on victory lane. And then the early part of this year, it just seemed like everything that could go wrong was going back wrong. And even tonight in the heat race, you, you spun out and you, you managed to split the tires and the telephone poles and not hurt the car. And then, you know, like I said, you got to be good. You put the car in position to win, but it takes luck too. Well, it definitely does for sure. Um, I, like you said, I thought I was going to put it in a couple tires back there. Um, but, yeah, we, we've struggled all year. Um, even tonight, I mean, I still have a bent front clip on this car, so I don't know how that kind of managed to work too, but here we are. Now's a chance for you to go ahead and thank everybody who helps make your race impossible. I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow this from you because I'm gonna forget all of them. Uh, so we have Blazovich Racing Decals, CP Designs, Jimmy the Junk Man, Wyatt's Garage, Mirror Lake Campground, Latrobe Chevrolet. Uh, I also have Advanced Auto Parts, uh, Firestorm Restoration, JT Auto, Michael Arbor Service, Auto Plus, Clarion PA uh, Auto Parts, Jason Mignon Collision Shop, and Buddha's Barbecue Sauce. What a run for the Rufstell Rocket. Let's give a round of applause on a career first. Fast track rate, late model win. The pilot of the Latrobe Chevrolet Wyatt's Garage, number 33K, your feature winner, Andrew Koenig. The Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway schedule is jam-packed again for the 2020 season. Every Saturday night through October, you can enjoy five big divisions of racing action and so much more. Each action event features the Deal Automotive Rush Dirt Late Models, the PPMS Pro Stocks, the Keystone Coachworks Hobby Stocks, the Four Cylinders, and the Young Guns. Add to that special appearances by the Rush Sportsman Modifieds, the Rush Wingless Sprints, the Buckeye Outlaw Sprint Series, and the 410 Wing Sprints. The 2020 season wraps up on October 2nd and 3rd with the 32nd Annual Pittsburgher 100 featuring the stars and cars of the Lucas Oil Late Model Series. Gates open every Saturday at 5 p.m. with hot laps at 6 and green flag racing at 7. General admission, just $15 for adults. Keep up to date with everything happening in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway by following us on Twitter, at PA Motor Speedway. On Facebook, it's Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. And as always, find all the information about PPMS at ppms.com. Proudly presented Rapping on Racing, the Tri-State's number one motorsports talk show. Today's program was brought to you in part by our marketing partners. Recognized by the Eastern Motorsports Press Association as one of the top racing shows in the Eastern United States. Have a great week and be sure to tune in next Monday for another installment of Rapping on Racing. Stand on it.